You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. The following program is rated TV-MA-LSV. It contains strong language, sexual situations, violence, and nudity. It is intended only for mature audiences. like action, adventure, slow motion running on the beach? Well, do we have the show for you, because this week it's all about 80s action television. Whether you want to blow shit up with the A-Team, take down a drug ring with Crockett and Tubbs, or save the world with just a paperclip, some chewing gum, and the elastic band off of your undershorts, we got it all and more right here on the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. And now, here are your two favorite greatest American heroes, Corey and Mikey. Hey there, what's going on? Uh, we are back with uh, another episode of the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. I'm Mikey. Hi, I'm Corey. And uh, yeah, here we are. We're here. We are here. It's uh, taking us a while to get going. Today, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we both, it's just, it's been a long week. It has, you're telling me. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we're both a little tired. Uh, what's been going on this week? Oh, we went to wrestling. We did, Wednesday. Wednesday, it was a good yeah. night. Yeah, it was. A, we had a lot of fun there. Um, local uh, PWP, uh, Pro Wrestling Phoenix, I believe is the, yeah. what PWP stands for. Um, Pro Wrestling, yeah. Pro Wrestling oh, Phoenix Fe- Pro Wrestling. Wait, no, Pro Wrestling Phoenix, I believe. That sounds right. By PWP. Um, but uh, exciting things going on there. I got to get in the ring and be an asshole for a little while, so that was a lot of fun. My daughter's favorite tag team won the tag team belts. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, and they, they just happen to be my rivals. Yeah, which so, is so funny, dude. Yeah, we have a good time with that. Uh, that is Jack Darling and Moonshine Russell. Or as I call them, Jeff Dumpling and Moonbeam Moon Wilson. Um <laughs> If you don't know, so so Corey and his daughter attend these wrestling shows as fans, and they sit right directly across the ring from me and my broadcast partner, Moose. We're doing commentary, and I am an asshole on commentary, and it's a it's a blast. You're like you're like you're 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 like your inner Bobby Heenan is coming out. Yeah, like you got Bobby Heenan, Jesse Ventura type uh, character, and. Uh, they needed a little help in the ring. Well, I also have a rivalry with the ring announcer. Oh, Billy. <laughs> and uh, so he had to call me into the ring to help him out. And I just went in and I was a complete dick to him. So that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, I, I like being an asshole sometimes. <laughs> it, was during the, the, it was during the raffle. Yeah. And so and Charlotte came up to get tickets. I think you gave her crap. Mm-hmm. And then when she came up to get the, the free tickets that were donated. Yeah. You're like, I don't know, she don't look like a kid to me. Yeah, it's like, she doesn't look like a kid. And we're like, do you have any identification? She's like, hey, do you have a school card, a library card? Nope. I go, do you have a driver's license? She goes, yep. I go, well, you know what? Kids don't have driver's license. Go sit down. <laughs> <laughs> and she just looked at me like, you son of a bitch, give me those tickets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's fun because, you, you know, if, if you've got somebody in the crowd that you know you can mess with, and I know that she knows that I'm 
playing along, mm-hmm. you know. So you can kind of not necessarily be mean to a kid, but flip a kid a little bit of shit. It just makes you look like even yeah. a bigger asshole. And I knew that I couldn't do that to just any kid, although I do. So yeah, we we, we did we did the wrestling thing. Um, that was well, a good. Other than that, I we didn't do sh- I didn't do shit the rest of the week. <sighs> I'm trying to think of if I did. I don't think I did either. Really, um, watch some TV. Was just, the that's about it. The movie premiere. Oh, the, was the movie premiere this past? Was you, no, that no, was not no, that, that, no, that was uh, that was the weekend before. Yeah, but we haven't recorded since then. Oh, we haven't because yeah, because you yeah. were, I think yeah. you were busy. And then we just canceled last week because uh, you were tired or something. Something was going on. Yeah, I can't. Oh, remember. Shitty weather or some shit. I don't yeah, remember. I don't. Yeah, but yeah, uh, we had a movie premiere. Oh and, no, we had to go to the grocery store and there was there was a storm coming. That's right. Yeah, so we had a movie premiere. Um. After School Lunch Special Part 2, Sloppy Seconds. You probably remember us talking about this last year. Yeah. Uh, or, or you know, throughout the last year. We did makeup on it. I had a role in it. Um, we got to see... I, well, I, I got to go look at that uh, on the big screen. Amazing. I, I couldn't make it. Um, it, it was it was great. Uh, work looked very good. We got the appropriate responses. The stuff that was supposed to be gross, we got, ew. Oh, nice. The stuff that was supposed to be funny, we got a laugh. And then there were a few parts where the people just kind of went, oh. We're like, what the fuck? Yeah, it was, it was just kind of like a, oh. And I thought that was interesting. Um, some of our, like our zombie makeup and stuff, we got a, oh. Oh, yeah. And then you kind of hear a, you know. and But it, it looked good. It looked very good. Um. So yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. That's I forgot a, there were zombies, didn't it? Yeah, the, there's there was one. One of the first makeup jobs we did for the movie. I think you did that one. I wasn't there for that one. No, you were there. I know you were there. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, that was a good one. That was a good. That was a good time that day. Yeah, that was fun. And it's always fun working on shit like that. But yeah, so that's what we uh, that's what we did. So, I. We got a voicemail. Well, we got a voicemail. We got a voicemail. Should oh, we, sweet. Yes, should, should, let's, let's get into this voicemail real quick. Um, I'm not going to set it up at all. I'm just going to play it, and we'll kind of react to it, because it's it, it's kind of interesting. So uh, here, here's here's our voicemail. Um, I think that our... Uh, Maybe our car's warranty expired or something. No shit. I'm not sure what that was. Um, I'm not sure who sent it. <laughs> but uh, thank you. If that was uh, if that was you, Mike, that was a very very good uh, impression. It's like Cantonese. Uh, I think so. I didn't know that Mike Fantastic knew Cantonese. I did not either. You know that's great though. Yeah. So um, we appreciate that. If I you did hear that, he was getting ready to start learning how to speak giraffe. Well, you know, you got to be careful because, uh, you know, I was nearly killed by a giraffe once. I think I've mentioned that before. You have. Yeah, I've mentioned that before. So you got to be very careful. Um, We should probably let let Mike know and in on the joke on that one. But, oh, yeah. We'll just let it ride until he says something. Yeah, well, he he knows part of the joke. Um, So if you guys would like to actually leave us a (laughs) voicemail, a a real voicemail, you can do so. 
at 669-237-3876. That is 669-B-RETRO, B-E-R-E-T-R-O. <laughs> and uh, That was the greatest voicemail ever. You can actually leave a, a voice clip on the Anchor app as well if you're using the Anchor app. Uh, if you want to email us, retropowerhour at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And just give us some uh, some feedback. Let us know what you want to hear. Preferably in English because both of us, we both suck at, our, at English. Yeah, we have enough trouble with English. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, we do appreciate our international audience. And that's we just, do. That's, that's proof. That was, that was international audience right yeah. there. She wasn't trying to sell us car insurance or where warranties were expired. I'm not sure what it was, honestly, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that the translation we'll put it through Google Translate. It probably says like, "I love your show." Uh, the Weird Al episode was great. You know, I've already done that, and that's exactly what it says. Is it? It is. Wow. And and do it's more like word for word, word for word. And you know what else it said? That we need more action. We do need more action. So, let's bring some more action to the show. I want action tonight. I was going to mention on the Weird Al show every time you sang a parody song you were spot on. You are a parody song artist my friend. See? You are a parody song artist. My impressions are, are friendly starting to uh, get good? Benefit me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every time you would do like a Weird Al song you were you were nuts on with that shit. Um, so yeah we're going to bring some action to the show and not poison. Not that kind of action. Some unskinny bop? No. Unskinny bop, nothing more to say. Bum, ba -dum, bum, bum, bum. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to talk about some of the great action shows that came out in the 80s. The television shows. Because it seems like the 80s, they had great comedies. They did. They had some great dramas. I didn't necessarily watch them because we were younger and didn't really give a shit about him. Like Dallas. Yeah, Dallas and... Uh, I don't know how many times J.R. died when I was a kid. Falcon Crest. I never watched Falcon Crest, but you know okay. who came from Falcon Crest? I have no idea. Bruce motherfucking Willis. Oh, wow. I did not know you got to start. That's cool. Wow. Greatest action star of all time. Debatable, but yeah, he's pretty good. He's the greatest action star of all time. You know what's greater than that? What's that? That tank that the Russians put on the moon. <laughs> what? The Russians put a tank on the moon. <laughs> the moon sucks. I know. It's not made out of cheese. <laughs> There's no man on it. The coolest thing really is that tank. That is yeah. the coolest tank. Yeah. Um, so, no. These, these 80s action television shows. Um, sometimes they would be... New and innovative and something you never really thought of. And sometimes... Which was a lot of the 80s. Yeah, the 80s. I mean, there was a lot of uh, a lot of new ideas coming out. Because you're coming out of the 70s, kind of the, you know, the, the hippie kind of culture mm -hmm. going on. And then the 80s, it's just like, boom, bright colors and... Oh, it was like all loud technology. Noises and, and, yeah. Well, the, the 80s... Seven, people say the 70s were lame, and then the 80s were just amazing. It was like night and day. Yeah. So, these first three shows are kind of the same show, but they all came out at the same time. Um, they came out within the same year. The first one being a television show called Airwolf. And I, you said you don't... Do you remember Airwolf? I remember Airwolf. I, I just, it's, once we start talking about it, it's going to come back to me. Okay. But, you know, it's been 
freaking damn near like almost forty years since well, I've seen the show. And you were young. Yeah. Yeah, you were you were pretty young. I remember I remember they had their base inside of a mountain and the mountain top would open or something. Yes. Or was that that was might have been Mask, the cartoon. No, that yeah. happened too. Okay. Um getting my shows mixed up. Well what what Airwolf was They had a talking alien. Is I uh, I, I don't remember that. He ate cats. No, that was Alf. Alf. Oh. Airwolf was a, a military drama television series. And they had this really high-tech military helicopter, and they, it was called Airwolf. It was like supposed to be like stealth technology, too? Yes. It was It was basically like one of those gunship yeah. helicopters. And... I did look it up. It was... Uh, of course, you know, being the 80s... A lot of Cold War themes. It was a Bell 222 helicopter. Okay. It was a modified, cosmetically modified Bell 222 helicopter. Now, this thing was... Uh, it, it aired from January of 84 until August of 87. So it had just a little over a three-year run. And I can remember this show just being a ton of fun. You know, we would we would watch it, and this is one I typically typically I wasn't into action films, but I watched a lot of action TV, and it was a supersonic helicopter, so it flew very fast, had stealth capabilities, and it was a gunship. I uh, they originally it was designed by this guy that was he was a genius. But he liked to torture and kill women. So they they would steal the the uh, the ship, you know, the the helicopter. They stole it. They stole it from him and hid it in a mountain. Yeah. Well, the bad guy. Yeah, they, they stole it and then they they uh, the the good guys basically uh, a company called Arc Archangel. Arc. Yep. They had to go steal it back. That was a code name. So they got Jan Michael Vincent. Huge action star in the 80s. Uh, he, he played Stringfellow Hawk. And it was his job to go steal this thing back. Stringfellow Hawk. He's a U.S. Army captain. Yes. Um, and former test pilot during the, de the, the development of this helicopter. So he knew how to run it. Um, they would try to steal it back. They would booby trap it and the whole premise of this thing was them trying to steal the thing, steal it back, steal it, steal it back, and they followed a very basic premise that they stole from the Western movies. The, uh, the, uh, good guys wore white. They wore white hats, basically. Um, that it looked like Captain and Tennille. Captain and Tennille. <laughs> <laughs> So, like a like a yacht captain. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They all dressed as they all dressed like they were going on a fucking cruise. A cruise. So my uh, current guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I watch a lot of reality TV shows, and I watch. There's like four different versions of um, Below Deck, and it's about this crew of a yacht. Oh God. Um, and like their yacht season is like six or eight weeks long. And they get in so much shit and so much drama in those six and eight weeks. It's like the crew comes from all over the world. 
to this one boat. To this one boat. They live on this boat together. They're cr- in cramped quarters. They are... This is a yacht, not a big cruise ship? It's a yacht. Okay. It, yeah, so it's a, it's a huge yacht, but... Um, are they, is it owned by a rapper? No, no, no. It's, it's like a yacht company that they hire... You know, the people charter it, oh. and they take them out for, for like a one... They, they pay like... They pay like, uh, you know, fifty or $100,000 to take it out for like a couple days. So we should do that with our anchor money. Well, we've got about 20 bucks. Wow. Yeah, we could get like a fucking, uh, a, one of the, what they call those little bass buggy boats. Yeah. And a trolling motor. <laughs> We'd have to take turns being the captain. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we couldn't afford a, a chef, so we'd have to like bring some Lunchables. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite Lunchable? You know, um, I like this. I like just the cheese and crackers with the, with the, with the um, turkey. Okay, yeah, that's not bad. I'm a pretty, pretty simple guy with Lunchables. See, I like the the taco ones. I can man, those are just I can't get into those, man. I like the taco ones and I like the pizza ones. My daughter likes the pizza ones. I love the pizza one, dude. Where you get you get the little pizza and you mm-hmm. get the little sauce with and the little pita bread. Pita, put a piece of pepperoni on I it. I can't eat. I, I just can't eat like cold pizza like that. Oh yeah, Lunchables. Right. Well, so we're we're gonna have Lunchables on our on our yacht. Yes, on our bass buggy yacht. And, um, and some bang. And some bang. Maybe we'll have uh, some Hawaiian punch so that we have that tropical feel. Oh yes. And some some Hawaiian King's Rolls. Dude, Hawaiian King Rolls. You give me a package of those and some butter. And I am happy. I'll tell you what. We're, I know, this is a recipe I'm going to put on the show, okay? Oh, You take your Hawaiian King Roll. Yeah. You don't break them apart. You cut them straight down the middle. Yeah. You know, to separate the two, the top and the bottom. But you leave them as one big bun. One big bun. Okay. You put some... some uh, I like big buns. Mozzarella or... Swiss. You completely Swiss. missed that. I, I heard it. I heard you. <laughs> You're ignoring me. <laughs> we don't about food. We don't allow that. <laughs> I'm talking about big buns. I like big buns too. I cannot lie. I cannot. You know. So you take you take Swiss. You take Swiss and you put some ham and some turkey on it. Okay. You put some more Swiss and some ham, some turkey, or whatever meat you want to use. Yeah. Put the top back on. Stick in the oven. Oh. For about 15 minutes. Pull it out. Got this nice fucking sandwich. Yeah, it'd be like a nice toasted casserole sandwich. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. good. You know that they make hamburger buns. Hawaiian. They do. I like yeah. them. They're oh, good. they're so good. Okay, but anyways, we're not talking about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, Airwolf was... It was fun. Um, other other notable cast members... Uh, Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine was in this. Ernest Borgnine was... I mean, he was in everything. Uh, that dude was... Geez, he was uh, he was in like movies in like, in, like the it seems like in like in the fifties. He's he was around for a while. Yeah, Jan Michael Vincent passed away, but he was he was a stud. Ernest Borgnine, um, yeah, he died back. He he died in ninety five. Wow. He died in two thousand twelve. He was ninety five. Um, so it it seems like this thing went through a few different. Uh, as the seasons went on, they changed up the cast members. They changed up kind of the, the storyline stayed about the same, but it just it, it swapped up a little bit, and it had a tie to another uh, show that we are going to discuss in a, in a little bit. We'll discuss it after we get through these first three. We'll discuss the show. So remember, we're going to do a callback to okay, Airwolf. We'll callback to okay. Yeah, we're going to do a callback to Airwolf. I'm trying to figure out what what they're attached to. I'm gonna. Oh, I'll, I'll, I bet you I know what it is. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll keep it. We'll keep it a surprise. It's not Alf. It is not Alf. I I guarantee you, it's not Alf. Alf was not an action show. 
so about the same time, um, January of 84, another amazing helicopter movie, or TV show came out. Uh, it was kind of like Airwolf, but not really. It was called Blue Thunder. And Did that star Hulk Hogan? No, that was Tropic Thunder. Blue Thunder actually was based on a movie. It, the movie came out in 83, um, but the, the TV show came out in 84. And they used a lot of stock footage from the movie, actually. And Blue Thunder had a... a uh, from what I remember, because there's not a lot about it... Um, it had one season. Wait. Yeah, it... it, it yeah, one season, eleven episodes, but it had a hell of a cast in it, though. It did. So, so the 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 basic idea. I mean, it was just like this this helicopter that. Well, let me tell you what the movie the what the movie was about because it the, it followed the plot of the movie. It was the uh, the metropolitan metropolitan police department had this air support vision division and. The pilot was a Vietnam War veteran with PTSD. And they had this fucking helicopter with all these guns on it and shit. And they used it for surveillance against large, like, riots and shit like that. And it was based around the upcoming Olympic Games in 84. Holy crap. So... This thing was like state of the art. It had, uh, <laughs> here's what the state of the art shit was that was on this helicopter. It had thermal infrared scanners, so it had like predator vision. Yeah. It had unidirectional microphones, which we're recording on right now. Dude, this thing is pretty badass. I'm looking at the helicopter right now. It had a built-in. It had cameras all around. It had a built-in mobile telephone, which was groundbreaking for that time because some people had car car phones or bag phones, and they were giant. Dude, this thing looks like something Batman would fucking ride. Yes, here is the. It had a computer and a modem on the airplane or on the helicopter, and the big piece of of technology it had on it. It had a U-matic video cassette recorder it had a vcr built in so they could record all the shit that they were doing holy crap that's awesome a, a vcr technology military technology vcr they uh i need one of those <laughs> so they you know it basically kind of fell into the wrong hands uh you know the technology did it got hijacked and now they are uh, blackmailing people because some, some shit got recorded that probably would help solve a case or solve a crime. Yeah. The people that did the crime stole the helicopter and stole the tape. Oh, my God. So, they are after a VCR tape. You could find this helicopter on the back lot of the Disney Hollywood Studios in Florida. Oh, that's cool. See, there it is. It's a mock helicopter. That's badass. I don't know why they don't have the original. I had to make a mock one. I can make a mock one. A mock one? A mock one. 
So that's the basic premise, and they just took that movie and just continued it into a television series for about four months. Yeah. Um, but they're just like a continuation of the movie. Yeah, basically, basically, it's a continuation of the of the movie. Um, notable people that were in this: Bubba Smith. Bubba Smith was a uh, he's, he's football been, player. You know him from Police Academy. Yes. What did he play? Hightower. Hightower. Yeah. Uh, so Bubba Smith was this Dick Buttkiss who was a linebacker for the Chicago Bears. I think he also did some commentary. He was a coach, also. Oh, he was a coach. Yeah, yeah. He was named as Dick Butkus as Ski Butkus, another cop. Ski Butowski. And the one that is kind of... They really uh, didn't go very far under these characters' names. They didn't. Um, Except for Dana Carvey's. Dana Carvey. Clint Wonderlove. Yes. A.K.A. Jaffo. So, he was the engineer. I don't know what the hell Jaffo stands for. He was the engineer, and the, the flight engineer, and the sidekick. And he handled all the technical aspects. So, Dana Carvey, Garth, off of Wayne's World, was in charge of all the technology on a high-tech helicopter, helicopter with a VCR, did I mention? Do you, think he ever, do you think he said party on when he got done working on something? Yeah, he, he like... I think it's all done. You think it's done? Party on. Swing. And his, his uh, pilot scene was Frank's so like, party on, Frank. And, he, and he's probably like, I'm not doing this shit. <laughs> Clinton Wonderlove. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Clinton. Dude, that is like, that is the best porn name. Yes, Clinton Wonderlove. You know what? That's going on our OnlyFans. Well, th- that's my, I'm changing my name to Clinton Wonderlove. <laughs> Clinton Wonderlove. Just for our buddy... Our one fan, Mike Fantastic. Our, our only fan. Our only fan. Yeah, he's he's not our our only. He's not our one fan. He's our only fan. Our only fan. Our because our don't forget, fans. our number one fan is Flint. Flint. Flint Frank Toy Hive. And our our number two fan is Rex. Rex, choice of the past in Lincoln. So, uh, Blue Thunder. Yeah, you you said you hadn't ever watched this. I'd never watched this. Because uh, every time you say Blue Thunder, it makes me think of Blue Falcon and Dog Wonder. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Blue Thunder. Blue th- it reminds me uh, of Breakfast. Breakfast? Yeah. Hmm. Is there something called Blue Thunder cereal? No. Is it kind of like up there with quits? No. no it, maybe a... Not quite a pancake. Maybe a waffle. Blue... Oh. They, they sell those at Walmart. I know they do. They, so they, have, they have blue waffles they now. They have blue waffles at Walmart. It's a joke. I still don't, to this day, dude, I don't know what a blue waffle is. I'm not going to watch it. Google it. Nope. Google it. I'm not that stupid. You guys, do, do, don't Google it. Do not Google it. Don't Google it. Trust me. It will it will uh, scar you for life. Trust me. And that's why I've never seen it. It'll, it'll make you turn out like me. Too late. So, yeah, this thing only had 11 episodes. And, like I said, it only ran from January 6th until April 16th. So, Blue Thunder. Blue Thunder. Now, the same... These three... Dude, all, the pilot episode was called Second Thunder. Yes, because it was the it was like a continuation of the movie. The third TV show that was kind of along the same lines that came out pretty much... I mean, they all, these three all came out the same week. Uh, well, they do a lot of that shit with... Well, the same month, at TV, least. They do a lot of that shit now with TV shows. We have the same kind of show 
Yeah, yeah, just saying. But on different stations, like they did, like you take like The Walking Dead, dude. How many fucking oh, variations yeah. of The Walking Dead are there now? Well, th- the thing is, these were these weren't related at all. Those no. were at least related. Yeah, to some point. So Airwolf came out January twenty second, eighty four. Blue Thunder came out January sixth of eighty four. Riptide came out January third of eighty four. Riptide is pretty much the same story, but it's a boat. It is a boat. <laughs> That's so where they got the idea for Thunder and Paradise. I think so. I. Who the hell? I'm looking at this picture. Yeah. Who the hell would put flames on a '66 Corvette? I somebody. This guy right here who needs to get a. So they had a helicopter. Yeah, yeah they do. They have a, a mouth. Yeah. It's uh, like, ah. These guys are. Ah. Oh, that's actually. It looks like a pig. Yeah. I. Uh, these guys. In addition to the boat and the helicopter, they also have a robot. It's it's called Robots. Um, it did not speak, but they did have a robot that was part of their team. Um. They also own, like you said, a, a Corvette. They have a Woody station wagon. And a G- GMC Jimmy that they were heavily featured in this uh, this thing. Who's in this damn show? This guy looks familiar. He's like a rip-off Tom Selleck. He's like a Kmart Tom Selleck. Well, nobody... The three people that are listed, I do not... Perry... Yeah, the Riptide helicopter is available. Perry Firestone King, Joseph Edward Penny Jr., and Tom Thomas Edward Bray. See, one of these guys sounds familiar. I'm going to look him up real fast. Let's see here. Um, so, yeah, it's... Perry King looks familiar. Perry King was a... Uh, he was in a lot of stuff. Joe Penny. What's he been in? He was in Jake and the Fat Man. Let's see Let's see what... He was uh, in the 80s. Let's see what uh, uh, Perry King was in here. Perry King... Anything that we would... Uh, Class of 1984. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was in the movie called Mandango. Yeah. Mandingo. Mandingo. That's a porn. Um, um, the Day After Tomorrow. Lords of the Flatbush. Do you remember The Day After Tomorrow with all the snow? Yeah. He was in that. Um, so yeah. Switch. He was in the movie Switch. So he's been in a few things. He was in Hawaii Five O. He was in uh, quite a bit of TV, actually. So... And you said you, you don't remember this one either. No, I've never seen this one. I remember watching it. I, I remember loving the robot. That was like one of my favorite things. At least about I don't it. remember seeing it. So, you remember we said we were going to do a callback to Airwolf. We did, yes. So, Airwolf had a connection to this next show that we're going to do. Um, Magnum P.I. <gasps> Magnum P.I. Yeah. Now, the connection to it is... Uh, the uh, there was an episode in the third season of Magnum PI called Two Birds of a Feather, where a guy named William Lucking, who was in Sons of Anarchy, he played Piney in Sons of Anarchy. Okay, uh, he was in that, and he also reprised that role at, in Airwolf. The episode of Magnum P.I. was designed as kind of a pilot. 
They call it a backdoor pilot. Okay. Which is a standalone episode of that Magnum PI that would be used to sell another show. So the it, the whole theme is here's this idea for a show we have. We're going to make an episode of a popular TV show to see if that episode has any legs. It apparently did not get picked up, so they kept working on it, and they finally made Airwolf. So Airwolf is very loosely based on an episode of Magnum P.I. So Magnum P.I. takes place in Hawaii? Yes, it does. Oahu, Hawaii. It ran from 1980 until 1988. So pretty successful show. He was a private eye. Uh, yeah, that uh, that's what the P.I. stands for. That you know that checks out. Thomas Magnum, played by Tom Selleck, greatest mustache, one of the greatest mustaches. One of the greatest mustaches in TV. Yes, um, and basically it was just uh, Magnum P.I. private investigator in Hawaii. He lives in a guest house on a beachfront estate. I liked I liked his uh, butler Higgins. Higgins, yes. I don't think Higgins was his butler though. Um. Kind of. He was. He was like a sidekick, but he he appeared to be kind of a servant of uh, Robin Masters, who Robin Masters owned the mansion, and Tom Selleck lived in the guest house. Okay. You never saw Robin Masters on screen. It was a voice, kind of like Charlie from Charlie's Angels, but. Robin Masters was only in five episodes by voice only. Oh, no shit. And do you know who provided Robin's voice? No. Orson Welles. Oh, no kidding. Orson Welles was the voice. Well, he was doing Transformers at that time, too, so he couldn't he couldn't be on Magnum P.I. Right. But do you remember... Okay, did you watch Magnum P.I.? I did. He had two dogs named Zeus and Apollo. They were Dobermans. Yeah. Um... And I, I can remember that the, the dogs, they like always turn the dogs loose on guys. Um, it was a fun show. I mean, they had, uh, he had his, his other sidekicks, TC and and uh, Rick. Yep. Um, and then a host of reoccurring characters. But the main cast, or the main group, were Thomas Magnum, TC, Rick, and then Higgins. And uh, they basically would just solve capers, crimes. Lots of capers. Remember, lots of capers going on there. There was a lot of capers. A lot of capers. Either jewel heists or somebody was trying to steal bombs or... Or they kidnapped somebody important. Yeah. Or this thing, probably one of the most successful, I would say, shows of the early 80s. And you still get references to it. They actually rebooted it. Within the last 10 years. So check this out. At the end of the seventh season, this is in 88. Okay. I think is what it was. Um, Magnum was killed off at the end of the series. Oh, wow. Following an outcry from fans who demanded more satisfaction, conclusion of the eighth season was produced by produced to bring Magnum back to life and to round off the series. I'll be damned. Now, had it not been for Magnum P.I., the history of movies as we know them would be completely different. Because Tom Selleck was... His contract bound him to Magnum P.I. That series cost him a very important role. 
as Indiana Jones in Raiders oh, of the Lost wow. Ark. He could have been Indiana Jones, but he was Magnum P.I. instead. I, could, you know, I just can't see that. He, I wonder if they made him shove off his mustache. I, you know, I, I don't think they would have, because that was his, his trademark. Interesting connection. We've talked about this before. Magnum P.I. with his famous uh, Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. And Indiana Jones nope. with his leather jacket and fedora. Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Chippendale. Uh, and the other notable thing I think about Magnum P.I. are the wonderful short shorts that he would wear. The <laughs> mid-thigh length shorts, which is the appropriate length for shorts. I don't even think they were mid-length, dude. These were just covered his butt crack. Yeah, they, they, just, they, they, were, they were they were cheek they were cheek chillers. Yeah, they they were, they were. Uh, Those were chaps. Chaps. <laughs> so there was supposed to be a crossover in '92 when they they concluded Magnum. They wanted to do a crossover where uh, Doctor Sam Beckett <gasps> from Quantum, Quantum Leap. Leap would leap into the body of Thomas Magnum. But they didn't make that. There is test footage where they tried to do it. Yeah. And uh, one thing that Magnum P.I. was, was kind of known for is what's called breaking the fourth wall. That means that they acknowledge the audience watching on TV. And the only one that would do it would be Tom Selleck. He would look at the camera and kind of raise his eyebrow. So there is footage. You know who did that? Uh, Zach Morris. Zach Morris did do that, but he actually talked to the camera. Yeah. Um, there is footage of Scott Bakula looking at the camera and raising his eyebrow, recreating that as a nod to Magnum oh. P.I., but they never followed through with that, that episode. Oh, man, that would have been bizarre or great. It would have been a work, train wreck or it would have been really amazing. I think it would have been kind of cool, um, but in a... I wonder how Ziggy and... Or no, his name wasn't Ziggy. Ziggy was the, the computer on Quantum Leap. It was Al. I wonder how Al and Higgins would have got along. Oh, yeah. I didn't watch a lot of Quantum Leap, but I, I did enjoy what I saw of it. I did really enjoy it. That was in the 90s. Um, I did like Quantum Leap. So, we're, there were a couple other crossovers um, with other popular shows in the 80s of Magnum P.I. Um... You know what? You know crossover they should have done. Should have done Magnum PI and Murder She Wrote. So uh, they did a crossover of Magnum PI and Murder She Wrote. Oh shit! <laughs> it's called Novel Connection. Uh, Jessica Fletcher comes to Hawaii when an attempt <laughs> was made on one one of the lives of a guest staying at this mansion, and I. Uh, so the the episode started on Murder She Wrote. And it concluded on Magnum P.I. Uh, Magnum on Ice is the Magnum P.I. episode. So those two will go together. Okay. The other crossover they did was... It's called... Uh, uh, Keys Don't Lie. And Magnum P.I. works with Simon and Simon to recover a stolen Hawaiian artifact that was supposedly cursed. So that's a lot of mustaches in one show. That is. Simon and Simon is another great show. But so they they took the old Brady Bunch thing where they somebody stole a tiki yeah. that was cursed and they have to get it back. So Magnum PI and Simon and Simon working together 
So the Simon and Simon episode is called Keys Don't Lie, and or uh, the Magnum PI episode, sorry, is Keys Don't Lie, and then it concluded on Simon and Simon with Emeralds are not a girl's best friend. They are not. So I mean that's kind of interesting, and they the interesting thing about it is since they were crossovers that would go together. You know, maybe those shows were back-to-back somehow. Yeah. You know. Um, they filmed alternate endings for the episodes. So when when they did their, you know, uh, syndication run, they could actually play it as a standalone episode and put the alternate ending in there. Oh, yeah. So that it didn't look like to be continued and it went on to the next show. Um, they were going to do... And this, this show, they've made movies about it. They were going to do a, a crossover with Magnum. And the Equalizer. But it got canned. The Equalizer got canned? No, the, the crossover. Oh. They were going to do it, and uh, they, they just didn't. They didn't do it, because it... Uh, so why didn't Hawaii Five O and Magnum P.I. crossover? They should have. They were in the same state. I, I, think, they, I think they were different. Uh, I think that was more of like a late 70s thing. Let me I, I just don't think that they crossed over time-wise. Hawaii Five No oh yeah. Hawaii Five O went from sixty eight to eighty. Yeah, so they, one ended and the other one started. Maybe that's where they, they got one of the guys from Hawaii Five O retired and became a PI and grew a mustache. Oh, oh yeah. That then became Thomas Magnum. Mm-hmm. Changed his name. Yeah. That's so, a callback right there. That is that's full circle. Full circle. So we're gonna move along. This is probably one of my favorite movies as a kid. I have gone back and rewatched it. It does not really hold up, but it's still fun to watch. That is... Blazing Saddles. No. 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 (laughs) That's a movie. (laughs) That one doesn't hold up anymore either. Um, The Greatest American Hero. And I've never seen this. It was before I knew what TV was, probably. Yeah, because it started... The pilot was in 1981. And it ran for two years, until 83. And William Catt, William Catt, uh, we would probably know him from the movie House. Yes. Um, he was the lead. He played Ralph Hinckley. And uh, he was a, a professor of some sort. A substitute teacher, sorry. A substitute teacher of remedial education at high school students. And he, during a field trip, encountered some extraterrestrials. And they gave him a suit. A super suit. And woman, where's my super suit? Why <laughs> do you need it? Tell me my suit is, woman. <laughs> they told him he had, the aliens told him that he had to uh, go find this FBI special agent to fight crime. And... He lost the instructions. Oh my God! Of how to use the suit. So what the suit grants him is the power of flight, super strength, uh, invulnerability, in- invisibility, uh, precognition, telekinesis, X-ray vision, super speed, pyrokinesis, shrinking, holographic vision, and the ability to t- to detect the supernatural. He lost the instructional manual. You know why they lost the instructions? No. Because they didn't have the technology to make all that shit happen on a TV show. Well, all of these powers would come 
about during the TV show's run, but it would be a complete surprise. Like, Damn. something would happen. He's like, what the hell is this? Um, and he had no clue, you know, what what was going on. Yeah. He also, the instruction manual also taught him how to land when he was flying. Oh. So he would crash land all the time. And, uh, you know, he'd crash land somewhere. Uh, and and that would be kind of funny because he would crash land and then you'd see him, like, getting out of a pile of garbage and he'd be in his regular clothes. That's or, so funny. Yeah, it was hilarious. Um, At three seasons... 45 episodes and five of them were never aired. And this thing I thought was a fun show. Um, has a very, very memorable uh, uh, theme, song. theme song that everyone will know. We'll play it later, I believe, um, at some point. But they took him on the spaceship at one point. It was kind of a train wreck. Now, interesting note. His name was John. It was uh, was was uh, Ralph Hinckley. Well, this show came out in March of eighty one, and in uh, at the end of the beginning of March, about two weeks after the show came out, a guy by the name of John Hinckley Jr. attempted to assassinate um, President Ronald Reagan. That's right. So they changed the name to Mister Hanley instead of Mister Hinckley. Still says Hinkley on the IMDb. It does well because that's the name is Hinkley, but for a while I can remember the students would refer to him as Mr. H. Yeah, just to kind of like, whoa, we can't say this. So, Mr. H for a while, and then they changed him to Hanley, and then after some time had passed, they made him back into Hinkley. So he ended up being Ralph Hinkley in the end, but. This thing, I mean... You can watch this on TV. Yeah, yeah, it's on... Fucking YouTube, Pluto, Peacock, Tubi, Vudu, Crackle, Amazon. Those are all the free ones. Sling, FUBU, and Philo. Whatever those are. So... Or paid subscriptions. Um, some... There, there are just a couple people that, that were kind of known actors. You know, of course, William Catt. Uh, William Bogart, he was on the TV show Small Wonder. Do you remember that? Yeah. With the little robot girl? Yep. He was on that. And he was the host of the Frontline Spoofs on the Chappelle show. Okay, yeah, that's right. And then Connie Selica. Um, Connie Selica was... Hot. Yeah. She, she was in a TV show called Hotel. I... Uh, she was in all kinds of movies, all kinds of TV shows. Um, let's see what... Uh, She's he, married to the guy from Entertainment Tonight. John Tesh? I think so, yeah. They were I, married. Yeah, I believe that's the case. No, they're still married. Yeah. They're I, married You know, I like John Tesh's radio show. She was married to G Gil Gerard for a while. Yeah. So, um, just that was a fun, you know, a fun little show... Like I said, one of my favorites as a kid. I uh, so much so that my third grade school picture, I am wearing a Greatest American Hero uh, Raglan uh, baseball jersey. 
Nice. You know, it's like it's, it's white with the symbol on the, the chest, yep. and it's got red sleeves. I love that shirt. It's got like the red three sleeves qu- that go down three-quarter three sleeves. Yeah. yeah. That was a badass shirt. So, yeah, if you get a chance, check that out, because it was a lot of fun. It was it was just a ton of fun. Um, a lot of connections to Superman on this show. A lot. It, yeah, I mean, even so much that uh, DC Comics filed a lawsuit against ABC, and uh, it eventually got dismissed because it wasn't close enough to Superman. But then they said, well, it's honestly, it's close enough to Green Lantern because green, it, it is, it's loosely kind of based on the Green Lantern thing. Got a, got a ring from an alien instead of a suit from an alien? Yeah, guy. yeah. And while he's in the pilot episode pondering whether he's going to accept the, the suit and the responsibilities, he is watching his son watch an episode of Super Friends cartoon. Oh, nice. And Batman says, we need one more super friend who can fly. And that's why he did it. Um, they mentioned Superman a couple times. They said uh, he jokes with his, his girlfriend because she she he's trying to convince her that he's like trying to tell her, look, no, I'm a superhero. Yeah. And she doesn't believe him. And he's like, look, at least you're one step ahead of Lois Lane because she never found out who Clark Kent really was. Not for a long time. Uh, he does, uh, at one point, kind of mocks a uh, scene from Superman or a, a, a very famous uh, trope from Superman. He needs to change into a suit. And he looks over and he sees a phone booth and he, he just looks at it and he grumbles. He says, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> but then he has to use it. And he uh, then later he's trying to get changed in the back of a car, back to the car. Yeah. And the guy, his partner, you know, like, there's a guy that, like, helps him out, drives him around and stuff. And he's trying to change in the back of the car. And the guy looks in the back seat and goes, you know, you just need to get a bigger phone booth. That's so funny. So they do, they do mention it. Um, they tried to revive it as the greatest American heroine. But when did they try that? In 86. Oh, yeah, that wouldn't work. They made a pilot episode. It did not work. Oh, here it is. Um, they, you know, they really wanted to, they really wanted to, to, you know, run with this, and they couldn't. They finally revealed in the in the uh, final episode, they revealed his secret identity, which he didn't wear a mask. Yeah. He didn't cha- he, like he didn't take off glasses. Nothing. It was just him in a suit, and nobody knew who he was. But they did finally reveal his secret identity to the public, and uh, then he tried to pass the suit off to this young lady, and uh, it just didn't work. She was also another uh, school teacher. Oh, okay. Who spent her off hours looking for lost kittens and raising environmental awareness. So, yeah, they didn't. Uh, he, you know, he tried to teach her how to use a suit and all that. But it, it never, it never really came to be. They tried to do a remake as well in in uh, 2014. I didn't even hear about that one. They they ordered a pilot for a new version of the show. Uh, the folks that were behind the Lego Movie were uh, going to produce it, and uh, they declined after it was all done. They declined to pick up the series. ABC did. 
No shit. But William Cat did create a comic book based on this Amazing. series. No kidding. Yeah. I did know that. I've seen the comic books. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was a. And and I think that was called Reluctant Hero. So yeah, Grace Merkin Hero. Amazing 80s show. Very 80s, though. When you watch it now, you're like, whoa, this was made in the 80s. Yeah. It's kind of like watching that live-action Spider-Man cartoon. Oh, the, God, yeah. Like the late 70s or yes. the Yes. Or this one here. It's not it's not on our list, but I just happened to come upon it. Okay. A show called Auto Man. I've never heard of this. I haven't either, but it, was, it came out in 83. It ran one season. Basically, the synopsis of it was... Auto Man is an automatic man following the adventures of a police officer and a computer programmer named Walter Nevicher. Huh. Who that, created an That's a good porn name. It, it, that's a terrible porn name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, who created an artificial intelligent crime-fighting program that generated a hologram played by Chuck Wagner, able to leave the computer world at night and fight crime. Wow. It's kind of like a rip-off Knight Rider and Tron. Yeah. Because looking at that picture... Oh, that's a total ripoff of Tron. Yeah. Yeah, it has the lit-up suit. Yeah. So let's jump to a wildly, wildly popular television series that I feel kind of jump-started a few careers, actually. Uh, 21 Jump Street. Yeah. It's uh, 21 Jump Street was a... It was on, the, it was on Fox, so when Fox... Was first came out blowing up yeah uh, 1987 to 1991 this was out uh, 103 episodes it was a squad of very youthful looking undercover police officers that investigated crimes in high schools colleges and other teenage venues uh, it uh, I can remember it being a lot of, of fun um, and jump started the careers of I, man, I would say one, two, three, at least four people. Nice. Um, Holly Robinson, who... Uh, Holly Robinson went on to be in uh, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Um, what else? I love that show. Uh, she was in a few other shows, but it, it kind of jump-started her career. Um, it jump-started the career of... Uh, Peter DeLuise, De who is Dom DeLuise's son, I believe. Uh, he was in Stargate. It jumps over the career of Richard Grieco. Richard Grieco. And Richard Grieco actually had a spinoff called Booker that lasted for a season or two. He's been in a ton of films since then. He was also was that movie License to Kill or yeah uh, yeah yeah he was if looks could kill if looks could kill and mobster and he's done some voice work and and for like uh, video games and things like that um, and he he's done a, a, just a ton of stuff he gets a bad rap he was in Bolt the that cartoon, that cartoon Bolt. Bolt yeah. Um, he was in Night of the Roxbury as himself. Yeah, he just didn't want to get sued. Yeah. So they he let him hang out. Uh, he was in 22 Jump Street, the movie. Playing his character from 21 Jump Street. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, just a, a ton of great stuff. And he was in a bunch of t he was in you know a lot of television work uh, before and after. He was in Always Sunny in Philadelphia as himself. But the most notable one that it really kind of kickstarted the career of is Johnny Depp. Yeah. And of course we know Johnny Depp. Uh, Captain Jack Sparrow. Jack Sparrow, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, uh, Edward Scissorhands. Any Tim Burton movie. Every Tim Burton movie. Except for Batman. He was not in Batman. No. But it, or was he, he wasn't in Pee-wee's Big Adventure either, was he? No. Yeah. He was doing Nightmare on Elm Street about the same time. Yeah, well, Nightmare on Elm Street was early, early, early. So, yeah, 21 Jump Street. I can remember watching that and thinking... Okay, these are supposed to be undercover cops that look like high school kids. All of them look like they were in their 30s. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay, funny story. So, when this show was on, um, and like I said, it, it uh, went until 1991. Well, I was in junior high. I hit junior high in 89. And so I was junior high and just into high school. I might have been a freshman in high school. So that would have been about 1990-ish, 91. Okay. We had uh, three people, new students, came to our school all at the same time. Um, were they undercover narcotics cops? We thought that they were. <laughs> because the, uh, the there was a brother and sister, and the sister was just incredibly incredibly attractive like our little school this girl did not fit in she was like oh my god I mean she walked down the hall and everybody like the party of the Red Sea yeah every every age group everybody would like what and watch her walk down the hall uh, her brother looked like he was about 30 years old like probably six foot three uh Crew cut looked like he was fresh out of the military. Oh shit! Um, big muscle. I mean, he did not look like a high school kid. He had big muscles. Um, crew cut. John, I think he had tattoos. I mean, he did not fit into our was school. Was it Brock Lesnar? Uh, a very skinny Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and then there's this other girl that was just kind of a party girl, and we didn't trust her because all three of them came at the same time. They all three seemed to know each other. Yeah. And so we thought she was the one that was infiltrating the parties to figure out who the partiers were, where they were getting the, the drugs, who was buying the alcohol. We thought that, so nobody trusted her. And she was such a nice girl. Um, and then the... the you went out with her, didn't you? I did not. I tried. Um, <laughs> the brother and sister, they always seemed to hang out together a lot. They didn't really have their own friends. So we were like... That's weird. 21 Jump Street, those guys are all undercover narcs. So we call it, we called them narcs. Oh, my God. And I can remember the brother and sister, I don't think they finished out that school year, which even perpetuated the the myth yeah. that they were narcs. Because um, you're not in the mil you weren't a part of the military town here. No. And, yeah, it was a small, it was a, you know, a tiny little school. But we had a lot of, at that time, a lot of drugs going on. We had a lot of steroids going on in the school. And then all of a sudden these mysterious strangers show up and 21 Jump Street's on TV. We're like, no, no, we see this shit on TV. And then when they left, we're like, holy fuck, do you think it was? Do you think they were narcs? And they got their cover got blown and they left. They pulled them out. Shit, what did they know? What did you say to them? So everybody was like on oh, high alert. That's great. Yeah. Uh, 
What happened to the party girl? She was around for a little while. I mean, she got. She was a cheerleader. She was around. I think she might have finished that year, and then she split. She might have maybe started the next year. I don't remember. But her cover wasn't blown all the way. No, no, because she was kind of in the party group. But yeah, the the other two that obviously like the the sister looked like she was in her mid twenties, yeah. and the brother looked like he was in his thirties. Yeah, you know, like he he had a beard, you know, and we weren't allowed to have beards, so he would shave, and like by the end of the school day, he would have a beard. That's funny. Yeah, uh, and red hair. So I mean, it really he really stood out, you know, like six foot two, crew cut, red hair with a beard. Oh my god. Yeah, but yeah, Twenty One Jump Street was a was a fun show, and I can remember it being very uh, very popular. And like I said, all these characters went on, or all these actors went on to be big names. Big names. So it was kind of kind of cool. Um, it debuted with Married with Children and the Tracy Ullman Show, which gave us The Simpsons. Yeah. So those three were big hits, and they established, they they made Fox like a force. They they made it the the fourth channel. That yeah, we, had. Yeah, we, we only had three. Before. Yeah, they made that that fourth channel that was on par with the three that had been established but you had to have the rabbit ears to get fox oh yeah and it was yeah it was on the uhf yeah so channel 42 locally so not not to be content confused with the weird al's uhf channel no no that that was something completely different his channels were way better her shows his shows were better They, they had nothing to do with cops or no anything like that they had conan the librarian yeah so they like I said they did make a film adaptation of this with Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum. Uh, they actually made two films, and in but the films had nothing to do with the TV show. No, very loosely based. They made a more comedy, uh, you know, action comedy rather than straight up action. Well, drama. see now you know what they're trying to do now with that. They're trying to take the guys from Twenty One Jump Street movie and make them the next Men in Black. Really? They're going to merge the two. I'm like, that's stupid. Don't do that stupid-ass shit. So, then we get... We'll talk about this one, then we'll take a break. Because we're going to need a break after this one. Give me a break, because I should need one. No, we're not going to talk about Nell Carter. In 1989, we... So, in 1989, I was about 13 years old and that's about the time that you're going through some changes you're starting to discover some things about yourself getting hair in weird places yeah your voice is changing you're starting to notice that you're attracted sexually to whomever you might be attracted to sexually and they put Pamela Anderson in a swimsuit and had her run in slow motion. Oh yes. And I, yeah, I was, I was a fan. I was watching Baywatch at night. It, it was, was on late, like late at night. It was on super late at night. And this thing ran for eleven seasons. Uh, what a great cast it had. It Pamela Anderson. Uh, it had uh, Billy Warlock, uh, Erica uh, Elenik. Yasmin Bleeth and Nicole Eggert. Oh, Yasmin Bleeth. And, oh, my goodness. Nicole Yeagert. Oh, yes. And one other very notable cast member. David motherfucking Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff. 
and this was about lifeguards <laughs> lifeguards that solve crimes <laughs> I guess yeah or they they would uh, there would be an earthquake and they would help with the earthquake there would be a shark attack they would help there might be a serial killer and they would solve that uh, Carmen Electra was also on the show Carmen Electra was yes uh, how could I forget Carmen Electra a uh, couple spinoffs. They had Baywatch Hawaii. Then Baywatch Nights. And Baywatch Nights. Plus a uh, feature film adaptation. So. Mila Kunis was in this? Really? Yeah. So, Baywatch. Baywatch. This thing. I know that I was a faithful you know, viewer of Baywatch. Uh, mainly for the the ladies. Yeah, it was all um, it was all about the boobs. Yeah, and every time that they would be running down the beach, they would do it in slow motion. Every single time. Every, no matter who, you know, David Hasselhoff running down the beach, slow motion. David, yeah, he even his boobs even bounced. Yeah, he. It, but yeah, they would always have him running down the beach in slow motion. Um, when they would uh, Angelica Bridges. <laughs> We're gonna have to fucking take you out and hose you off after this. I mean, just and and some of the, you know, even like the guest stars on this, they had anybody that was anybody was on this show. Uh, oh, Tracy Bingham was on this show too. Oh yeah. Oh man. Um, but as far as guest stars, they had, and this is kind of funny. Vince McMahon worked out a deal to have some of his wrestlers on Baywatch. The problem being that Hulk Hogan had jumped over to WCW. Yeah. So they wanted Hulk Hogan. So Hulk Hogan, Sting, and I believe Macho Man Randy Savage were on Baywatch. Bill Goldberg, I think, was on Baywatch as well. Yeah. Um, at one point. Because wasn't Bay Baywatch was owned by Turner? I I think it was. So they really um, kind of milked it in the uh, like the pop culture. You know, anybody that was anybody was on this show. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if if you would see, you know. I mean anybody. I I don't I don't know if Pee Wee Herman ever showed up on there, but No, but um what's his name? Um Mr. Aquaman himself, Jason Momoa. Jason Momosa was on this. Jason Momosa. Wow. Young, very young. Well he would have to be young. I uh, so like I said, this thing ran forever. It actually, um in addition to the the uh spin off television shows, it had Three direct-to-video films: Baywatch the movie Forbidden Paradise, Baywatch White Thunder at Glacier Bay, and Baywatch Hawaiian Wedding. White Thunder. White Thunder. Interestingly enough, the audience was 65% female. Seriously? Number one. Uh, they were watching that Hoff. Well, yeah. The number one demographic were women aged 18 to 34. And 
the reason that they say that it was is because most of the lead characters were strong, independent women who were heroic, saving lives, and were equal to men in you know the characters. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that, that I know a lot of adolescent males that were watching this for completely different reasons. Oh, yes. Now, this show made a big splash in popular culture. Uh, it was a running gag on Friends where Chandler and Joey would watch Baywatch together religiously, including over the phone when they weren't living together. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chandler named his pet chicken after Yasmin Bleeth, and the bird later turned out to be a male. <laughs> and uh, that was a joke because the actor that played Chandler, Matthew Perry, yeah. briefly dated Yasmin Bleeth in 1995. Oh, no shit. Uh, David Hasselhoff has become so closely related to that role <clears throat> that they would kind of make fun of it. Uh, most notably in the Spongebob Squarepants movie. Yeah, he was in that. Where he wore the same lifeguard uniform. Uniform. Shorts. His short shorts. Um, and then he, he missile projected them into the water with his pecs. Yes. Um, Babe Watch was used in connection with the series. Uh, Mad Magazine would make a... a series of uh, of satire articles oh, yeah. called Babe Watch. And there was also a pornographic film that a series of pornographic films released between 94 and 99. I'm already watching it. <laughs> yes, you are. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> Baywatch was also prominently featured in Borat because they... Yeah, because he was trying... He was going after Pamela Anderson. He kidnapped Pamela Anderson and pissed off Kid Rock. Um, that actually pissed him off. I think so. So, uh, you know, a guy from Detroit should let stuff like that get to him. No. I mean, he just listens to my CP and chill out. I know. And then the red swimsuit was iconic. And they custom fit each suit for each actress. And uh, some of them had higher necklines. And the shorter cast members would have higher cuts in the legs so that they all looked taller. Oh, nice. So you make it cut up a little higher on their legs. So just I like, like that, too, because then you got to see butt cheek. They tried to reboot it in uh, 2018, but it never went anywhere. And in 2019, they were making a documentary. They, they, made, a, they made a, a movie documentary. about it. Uh, yeah, they, they made a movie about it. It was, again, one of those kind of joke... It was more comedy. Yeah, it was... Uh, yes, yes and no. It was both. Yeah, it was both. Because it had, it had The Rock, who played the Hoff. Yes. So, um, that was, uh, honestly, it was, it was written by the guy that, that wrote The Hangover. Uh, Reno 911, uh, cre uh, co-creator and star, directed it. Oh, nice. Um, like talking about the TV show or the movie? The movie. Oh. Uh, Zac Efron was cast. Then they said it was going to be R-rated. So, uh, they played off of each other because Zac Efron was kind of the comedy part and Dwayne Johnson was the serious lifeguard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they they did all that. So, Baywatch. Any, I mean, 
we covered a, quite a few, and we still have like uh, what, four more to go I in the second half. So anything that that stuck out there that you wanted to touch on, or oh, I'd, I'd touch on a lot of stuff on Baywatch. I, yeah, I'm sure you would. <laughs> I'm sure you would. There were a, a lot of things touched while Baywatch. Oh, yeah, a lot of things were definitely touched during Baywatch. Yeah, yeah. Baywatch, uh, my socks changed our lives. Towels. Baywatch. I, I think out of all of these shows we discussed, Baywatch is probably the most influential on our lives. Yeah, kept so. me away from that Sears catalog. Kept me awake a lot of late nights. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So. Will you say take a little break? That's fine. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll take a, some Baywatch. We'll take a break and we, we, we will be back right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. On an all new Baywatch. Oh my God, it's Hulk Hogan. The WCW goes to the mat for a worthy cause. What, you guys wrestling fans? Closet. When an old foe rattles Hulk's cage. I want you right here, right now. Setting the stage. For a no holds barred. Bash on the beach. Hulkamania rules. Rick Flair and Randy the Macho Man Savage join Hulk Hogan next Baywatch. Monday at 9 on Fox 25. flight into the dangerous world of a man who does not exist. Michael Knight, a young loner on a crusade to champion the cause of the innocent, the helpless, the powerless, in the world of criminals who operate above the law. Thomas Magnum, the wisecracking, fun-loving, freeloading, freelance private eye, returns soon to 10 in his brand new series. Special guest stars, including Frank Sinatra, join the laid-back charmer, who's big on fast cars and slow blondes, in an all-new series of action-packed Magnum adventures, soon on 10. You don't want to lose a second of it. Well, I'm not the kind to kiss and tell. But I've been seen with fair up I've never been with anything less than a nine So fine I've been on fire with Sally Field Gone fast with a girl named Bo But somehow they just don't end up as mine It's a death-defying life I lead I take my chances I die for a living in the movies and TV Is watch my leading ladies Kiss some other guy while I'm bandaging my knee I might fall from a tall building I might roll a brand new car Cause I'm the unknown stuntman That made Redford such a star 
much time in school, but I totally it is plenty. It's true, I hire my body out for pay. Hey, hey, I've gotten burned over Cheryl Teague's blown up for Rocky Welch. But when I wind up in the hay, it's only hay. Hey, hey, I'm a jump and open drawbridge or Tarzan from a vine. Cause I'm the unknown stuntman that makes Eastwood look so fine. Hey, dude, what's up? You know, I always thought that, like, Ram Man should have been a lot bigger because he was, like, ramming through walls, and he was just a little short dude. I, I wish I would have made an action figure of that. You need to make that. Huh. Slime Pit Customs. Huh? Well, like, I love Captain Spaulding, but I wish that, like, he was a superhero. Dude. Huh. Slime Pit Customs. You know what? I kind of wish that they would have made, like, a, a green radioactive slime He-Man that was all covered in goo. Slime Pit Customs. Slime Pit Customs? What's that? Slime Pit Customs, they make custom action figures. Anything you want, out of anything you want. So, like, Slime Pit Customs could just make the action figure of my dreams come true? Yeah. Could they make me into an action figure? Yes, absolutely. Slime Pit Customs. Slime Pit Customs. Slime Pit Customs. Check them out on Facebook. We'll be right back. 
back. We are back. How was your break? It was good. Did you enjoy the Baywatch? Uh, yeah, I'm still going, actually. Yeah, we'll keep it over there. <laughs> now, of course, heavily involved in Baywatch was David Hasselhoff, as we spoke of. But that was not the first time we had seen David Hasselhoff. No, it was not. David Hasselhoff was in a crime action drama television series that started in 1982, ran until 86, where he starred as a gentleman named Michael Knight. And he had an amazing car. He had a great car. The car's name was Kit. And Kit was, well, I mean, it was a, they, they were the main characters in Knight Rider. I love this show. Yeah, me too. So, Kit, the car, stood for Knight Industries 2000, K-I-T-T. And the car was an artificial intelligence. It was self-aware, and it was basically indestructible. Had all kinds of gadgets on it. And what the uh, idea was, kind of a Batman type scenario. There was a self-made billionaire named uh, Wilton Knight. Wilton Knight, that's a great porn name. That, that's, a, that's a really good porn name. Um, Wilton Knight rescued a detective lieutenant named Michael Arthur Long from a near fatal gunshot wound to the face, gave him a new identity by giving him plastic surgery and a new name, Michael Knight. So he gave him plastic surgery to look like David Hasselhoff. He did. And then, you know what? That was a good choice. That, yeah. If, you know, if I had to choose, that would probably be a, one that I would choose. Uh, he then put him in the role of primary field agent for his idea of a public justice organization. Kind of a vigilante. Yeah. They got paid, I think. Yeah, it was uh, the Foundation for Law and Government. Flag. And so the Knight Industries provided him with a Pontiac Firebird Trans Am with all of these great bells and whistles. Yeah. I mean... You can't get these at the factory. No, sometimes it would like... Didn't it, it was like a James Bond car type. Yeah. It would like throw oil out the back sometimes, make oil slicks. Yeah. Um, it had grappling hooks. It had... It was bulletproof. Yeah, it was bulletproof. Fireproof. It, it talked. It could drive itself. 300 miles per hour was the top speed. Damn. That was a turbo boost. Wow. He's like, turbo boost kit. And he'd fucking... you see him like jump a ramp that wasn't there before. Yes. Yeah, he had like... It was like a rocket car. Yeah. This This car could do anything. So, he was in a rocket car last night. Did you? I did. I was watching, for some reason, Fast 9. Okay, with uh, John Cena. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't see him at all. Okay. But I, they said he was in it. Yeah, you can't see him. No. But it had Vin Diesel in it. Oh, you can see him. And then, um, there was a car that they put a... It was a Pontiac Fiero. Okay. I think that's it's who made Pony or Fierro's Pony. I think so. Um, it was a Fierro with three fucking rocket engines on it. Jesus Christ! And they had made the thing fireproof. And they had to launch it into space wow. to stop a satellite. In this movie, 
So this movie was very factual based. Oh, dude. Yeah. It was so amazing. Do you know? Do you know how much that car cost them to build? Four dollars and fifty-two cents. Close. I mean, very. You're you're in the ballpark. Really? Holy yeah. shit! I was just guessing. It cost one hundred thousand dollars. That's nowhere near what I said. You were close. I didn't say what the parameters were. <laughs> you were close. <laughs> you were close. So, what they they one hundred thousand dollars. They updated that to. Uh, 2018, what it would cost to build that in 2018, $266,000. Well, that's not that much difference. No. You think you think in you know the 40-year time span it's been, it would be $1 billion. You would think. They had to make several of them uh, just because they wanted different shots. They had, so they put different features on different cars. Yeah. But there was only one car that they called the hero car. They... And for those of you who don't know, a hero, if, if you hear like a hero prop or a hero car, that's, that's the, main, the main one that's used. In that's the, the one Hasselhoff drove, not the stunt guys. Yes. That's the main one that's used in the movies, uh, the, the hero. And like if you get uh, hero props, like if, if you get like the, the hero knife that was used in yeah. Halloween, tons of money. That they, If you can verify it was the hero prop, tons of money, very highly collect, collectible. That's the only one, though, that contained the dashboard that you always saw, where it had the pulsating lights oh, yeah. when he talked and stuff. Other thing, other ones just had roll cages in them. Yeah, yeah, the rest were, were stunt cars. Um, they also had a dashboard that was just on a soundstage that they would use for close-ups of the buttons or the voice box. Yeah. Um, you know who the voice of Kit was? Huh. Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. Oh, cool. That's awesome. I didn't know that. But now that I, I see the face and I can hear the voice. Yeah. It checks out. It makes sense. Yeah. They wanted this car to have a heartbeat, you know, to show that it was alive. So it had the, the red, red light on the front of the of the car, like on the grill mm-hmm. that went back and forth. They got that like, from Battlestar Galactica. Whoa, whoa. Okay, Battlestar Galactica. Noah Hathaway. Yeah. There's a tie back, a callback. Callback. The uh, the Cylons had that that thing on that their thing faces. on their face. Yeah. So they put that on the nose of the car. So you're saying Kit is a Cylon from Battlestar Galactica? It related. He's he's Cylon adjacent. Oh, they're cousins. Yes. The studio got all the cars that they used from Pontiac for one dollar a piece. Well, that's not a tax write off, is it? No. Well, and they would often get vehicles that had been damaged. From, like, train derailments and in shipping. Oh, no shit. Yeah. The only one that they had to pay for was the Hero. Which cost $100,000 million. Yes. Uh, they had several scenes where Kit would drive himself. And there was a gentleman that would sit behind the driver's seat... He would extend his arms and legs through the seat, and then he had a two-way mirror that was in front of him so that he could be hidden. Yeah. So it looked like the car was driving by itself. See, I always thought like they had a just remote controller or something. No, it was it was practical. But that's also why he never they never showed him driving by himself for too long of a period. Yeah. Because it was so hard to film that. 
It'd be like short clips. Yeah, and they probably use the same one several times. Uh, like you said, William Daniels was the voice. Yep. Uh, he was never... He would always record it after the fact. So David Hasselhoff would work with someone who would read the lines to him so that it could be kind of seamless. Yeah. And they would do the reading, like when he was in the car talking to him, Kit's voice would come through the car stereo. They had a like a shortwave radio. Oh, no shit. So he could hear it in the car and react to it, and then they would just dub that out and overdub with the, the actual voice. Nice. And they were trying to kind of get this off the ground and they did a marketing campaign where fans could write to the network and they would mail them out a pamphlet that would tell them about what the features of the car were. And the very first campaign was in August of 82 and the pamphlet said the competition is no competition. They had Kit parked next to a car that resembled another vehicle that was popular at the time, the General Lee from Dukes of Hazard. Trying to draw the parallel, it's like, here's the old, like the old country style yeah. of, you know, of this, this concept. Here's, here's the 70s style, and yeah. here's the 80s yeah. futuristic. Which, uh, Dukes of Hazard went, you know, into the 80s, it ran into the 80s, so it was like, here, this is the old, outdated version. Yeah. Look what we've got. No competition. So they ran directly head-to-head with Dukes of Hazzard, which is kind of interesting. But, yeah, uh, this thing, people, it, it didn't score well. They kind of said that it was a, kind of a flop. But it wasn't. It was, it was crazy popular. But Rotten Tomatoes said the first season is a 35%. No shit. They, uh, the Washington Post said that Knight Rider's all revved up. It has no place to go, except maybe headlong into a large brick wall. Uh, and here we are, 40, 38 years later, we're still talking about it. Yeah. So it was syndicated. I mean, it ran, it ran clear up to 2012 in syndication. Um, been released on DVDs, Blu-rays, um, it streams on Netflix and Peacock. You can purchase it on Prime Video and Vudu. Yeah, I'd like to see them do a Knight Rider movie. Well, it had some spinoffs. Well, they had Knight Rider 2000, which was terrible. Yeah, and, and, and that was a t- that was a film. It was a made-for-television yeah. film. Knight Rider 2000. And then they came out with, not them, but they came out with like about the same time, Viper. Viper was awesome. That was when well, there was basically just a one-hour promotion of the car. Yes, they had Night Rider two thousand, Night Rider two thousand ten, and then a very very short-lived Team Night Rider, and then they made a television movie of Night Rider, which served as a pilot for the two thousand and eight reboot of Night Rider. I don't remember that. And then in eighty five, there was a spinoff series called Code of Vengeance. Um, it was a uh, Code of Vengeance, and I do I do remember this. I don't remember Code of Vengeance at all. Code of Vengeance. It was uh, it was a spinoff, but it, they didn't have all the technology. It was a 
Vietnam veteran who had become a drifter traveling across the United States in a camper van with only his dog for company. He would get involved in the personal lives of people that he would meet along the way, and he used his fighting skills to help them gain justice. That spun off. It was it was another one of those backdoor pilot things. Yeah. It was in a episode of Knight Rider in the second season, and then they saw that it kind of worked, so they retooled the character, released Code of Vengeance, and then they said it it did great, but it didn't last very. It lasted for two years. But then it spun off into another series called Dalton, which was the lead character's name was Dalton. Yeah. Then it, that spun off into a couple of uh, little made-for-TV movies, Code of Vengeance 2 and Dalton's Code of Vengeance. Dalton. Dalton. That just sounds like somebody who'd be a vigilante. It does. So, uh, yeah, in pop culture, the uh, Kit and David David Hasselhoff showed up on different strokes when uh, Arnold Arnold and uh, Dudley visited the Universal Studios lot. It was in a 2000 video game called The Operative, No One Lives Forever. It was just mentioned. Um, the Flag Organization was in a comic book called Dynamo 5. Um, they made a GPS voice, or like a GPS system. Oh, yeah. Of Knight Rider, and it cost $270 in 2008. Holy crap. And it featured the original voice of Kit. And then uh, they, they tried to reboot different... Things General Electric had an advertising campaign that featured like Kit, and the narration was William Daniels. Yep. Um, the idea was that they were trying to make a bunch of robotic devices. It didn't go very well. Fast and Loud did a two-part episode where uh, Richard Rawlings wanted to own a Kit replica, so he built one. And had David Hasselhoff on the show. I think he signed the car, too. Yeah. And then uh, he was in Ted, too. Yeah. Kit and David Hasselhoff. At the uh, Comic-Con. And then, yeah, they also did uh, several commercials, most notably in 2018 when Walmart started doing their curbside pickup. They had all those Hollywood cars. Yep. Kit was in four shots of that, and he actually had a line. So... There's, there's that. I loved, I loved Knight Rider. It was fun. You said you've never seen this show, The Fall Guy. Never, I've never seen The Fall Guy. I loved The Fall Guy. The Fall Guy starred Lee Majors. Lee Majors was the six million dollar man. Six, yeah, six million dollar man. Um, also starred Heather Thomas, and I think you would enjoy. Heather Thomas and Heather Locklear were like the heartthrobs of the 80s. Oh, yes. So, what this show is... It also had Margie Post in it. Margie Post was in this, and uh, Douglas Barr. Uh, he played Howie. And uh, the, Lee Majors, Douglas Barr, and Heather Thomas were Hollywood stunt performers. 
that moonlighted as bounty hunters. So Lee Majors played Colt Seavers, and he would use his physical skills and knowledge of stunt effects to capture fugitives and criminals. He'd be accompanied by his cousin, stuntman in training Howie Munson, played by Barr, and occasionally Heather Thomas in the role of Jody Banks would accompany them. This thing was... Okay, first off, he had a big GMC pickup truck. It was brown with an eagle on it. The truck was cool as shit. Yeah, the truck was neater than hell. Um, And the truck was... He would jump it. He would... I mean, he would do everything. The theme song for this was Lee Major singing, and he alluded to the fact that he was the stuntman, he was the the unknown stuntman. Yeah. And he dropped tons of big names. Robert Redford, um, Farrah Fawcett, whom uh, Lee Majors was married to for a, a brief period. Um, he, he, he dropped a bunch of names in there, and it was basically like, you know, I'm the unknown stuntman that makes all these people look like stars. Yeah. But he's out, like, being a bounty hunter. It was... It didn't make any sense. Shit didn't have to make sense in the 80s, though. No, fuck. Nothing made sense in the 80s. What no. Was to? There... And like I said, I this was one that I made sure I watched. Um, Heather Thomas was probably on par with Daisy Duke, as far as... Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, it, it was a... It was. A, I felt it was a hit show, but it didn't do well. They they made a board game of this, which I don't know how what, what that would play like. They made <laughs> a comic strip. You should be doing stunts all day. Yeah, it'd be like Jackass. Yeah, <laughs> Jackass the board game. They made a comic strip that was in Look In magazine, and also a video game was released in 1984. This thing came out on uh, home video, but they had to, much like uh, other shows of the 80s, like uh, most notably WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah. Lots of copyright issues with the music, so they had to edit it heavily, and it didn't sell well on video, so they don't know if they'll ever release, which at this point they probably will never release the rest of the seasons. Oh, no shit. Yeah, I think they got the the first and second season, and that was it. And there were five seasons. Um, so this, this truck was, it was a, a GMC K2500 Wildside um, with the Sierra Grande equipment level package. Sierra Grande. This thing was amazing. It, it was just one of the iconic vehicles of the 80s. And from the second season on, General Motors actually produced the truck that they that they wanted. Oh, no shit. And they would make them able to do the stunt sequences. They moved the engine out of the engine compartment to the mid-chassis position under the cab so that it could get the... The jumps. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't be as heavy in the front. And they also could uh, you reuse the vehicles. Because a lot of times these cars that they would jump, especially like the General E, 
They could jump them once and they were done. They'd have to rebuild them. They'd have to rebuild it. And then uh, at the end of the series, the trucks were either given away in contests or auctioned off. So the last one sold in 2003 on eBay. No shit. They were going to make a film in 2010. DreamWorks wanted to make a film. And they were going, Disney was going to put out a Fall Guy movie. Oh, that'd be great. But they've talked about it for 12 years now. They never made it. They also wanted to make a, uh, they wanted to make like the, the actual movie. And then they wanted to make a movie that was loosely based on the TV show. Yeah. With Ryan Gosling in the starring role. No. Never happened. We got the Fall Guy. Ryan Gosling should not be. He was good in the notebook. He was good in the notebook. Yeah. He, well, he was in the notebook, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah. Um, he's, not I, a, he's not a tough-looking man. No. Like, you know, if you're going to have anybody play Lee Majors, I would like, I don't know, um, The Rock, maybe. Maybe. Or... Cena. Cena. Yeah. It's got to be somebody that looks tough that can do stunts. Yeah. Lee Majors. You know what? Look, I would. I could say now. Um, now, now I was gonna say the guy who plays Deadpool. What the hell's his name? Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. He could be like the other guy. Yeah, he could be the 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 sidekick. Yeah, the cousin. Or um, who the hell's the guy that played Cable? What's his name? He's in Goonies. Um. I fuck. I can't. I'm terrible at names, dude. Sean Astin? No, the 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 older brother. Um, hold on, got this shit. Well, Lee Majors just was a a, a looked like a grizzled Josh Brolin. Oh, Josh Brolin would be good. He'd be great at this. Yeah, Lee Majors. He looked like a, a just a grizzled veteran stuntman of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He kind of played wasn't necessarily a redneck character. I believe the the term is roughneck. I don't think the word redneck was around then, was it? It might have been. But I didn't know what a redneck was until the nineties. You know, like uh I think the term is roughneck. Kind of just a n- no nonsense tough guy. You know? I think roughneck came from the oil industry. Yeah, that's the real, roughnecks are oil rigger guys. They're tough. Yeah. They're they're notably tough. You kinda have to be. Yeah. Unless you're Joe Dirt. Yeah. Well Joe Dirt was tough in his own way. He was. But, yeah, so Lee Majors, you know, always chomping on a cigar, always just, you know, somebody would, would try to run some bullshit by him, and he'd be like, no, 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 no. I think Lee Majors just would kick everybody's ass. Still. Still today. Yeah, still today I think he would. I think he's still alive. I believe he just did a Comic-Con not that long ago. Um, Yeah, also the $6 million man. We, we mentioned that. We did. You know who else was in the $6 million man? Uh-uh. Andre the Giant. He played a Sasquatch. Yeah, he played the Sasquatch. That's right. Yes. In two episodes. So, yeah, Fall Guy was one of my favorites. He was, he was a biotic Sasquatch. Yes, he was. And they have a toy, a couple toys that yes, have come do. out. Um, Lee Majors is still alive. He's 83. As 83 years old, still kick anybody's ass. I can remember, like, on the uh, playground, playing the Fall Guy. And, you know, like, diving through the monkey bars and landing in a, in a in a heap and being a stunt performer 
and doing this, you know, just doing crazy shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it it played into my childhood big time. You should uh, you should check it out if you ever get the chance because it's a fun show. Another fun show that also I can remember playing on the playground, and this one was huge in uh, oh probably what was it eighty four maybe. Yeah, 84, Miami Vice. Miami Vice, Don Johnson playing Sonny Crockett. Crockett and Tubbs. And Philip Michael Thomas as Rico Tubbs. Yeah, he didn't do a lot after Miami Vice. I think he... He did some stuff, but nothing major. I think he did, but it it just wasn't... You know, it wasn't notable. Yeah, no. like you said, it wasn't major. He... I don't know. This was kind of his the peak of his of his popular career. Well, because he'd been doing stuff for years before this. Now, Miami Vice. It was pretty unrealistic as far as police dramas would go. Yeah, they drove a Ferrari. Yeah, these guys they were undercover cops in Miami, but they weren't really undercover. Everybody knew that they were cops. It's like watching. It's it's it'd be like. Bad boys today. Yes. Everybody knew they were cops, but they were supposed to be undercover. Yeah. And instead of really going deep into authentic police procedure, they would pattern their style more after, like, the new wave culture. You know, like the the early punk. You know, like, not even, it was it was punk before there was really punk. Like, and I'm not talking about like the, you know, the leather jacket, mohawk wearing punks. It was like the B-52 style. Oh, okay, yeah. The Go-Go's type punk. The glammy. The, the glam- more glammy pop, glammy punk, yeah. pop punk. Uh, and this thing really changed style. I mean, from 84 on, 80 style was reflected by Miami Vice. Oh yeah, they had day glow shirts that they would wear. They had them. They had them sports jackets with the sleeves rolled up. Yes, they had. So I still do that today, man. I never let that go. He, you know, you can't. He, uh, uh, Don Johnson would wear like the the sports coat with the sleeves rolled up and a t shirt under it, uh, uh, like a pink or a a coral. They they made up new colors. Yeah, coral and teal. In the later years, mauve. he started going more earth tones. What the what the fuck is mauve? I don't you know I don't know what mauve is. Is that red? It's kind of a brownish red, I think. Or is that maroon? No, maroon is darker. Oh. It's like light maroon is mauve. One other thing that Don Johnson did is and this played into fashion, he would wear his pants were a little short. They weren't high waters necessarily, but they hit just above the ankle. And he would wear loafers with no socks. And Which is weird. I've always thought that was weird. We had several kids in our school that went to that look. They would wear the sports coats with a t-shirt. They would wear slacks instead of blue jeans. Their slacks would be cut just a little high on the ankle. Penny loafers with no socks. And I can remember a Christmas program one year. And 
that's all that like the the older farmers and stuff could fixate on is it's the middle of winter. And that boy ain't wearing no socks. None of the kids had socks on. Yeah, they ain't wearing socks. How are they? How are they out in the winter with no socks on? And they, that's all the farmers it probably ruined their the their experience of watching their oh children and grandchildren. God. What do you remember about Miami Vice? Because I this was I mean this was everywhere. The beginning. Yeah, the song. Yes. Yeah. And the gratuitous boob shots. And butt shots. Yes. Lots of of swimsuits. Uh, and palm trees. And palm trees. There was nothing. In, there's nothing in Miami but boobs, swimsuits, and palm trees. Yeah, and cars. And cars. Lots of nice cars. And Don Johnson. And Don Johnson. Yes. And Hulk Hogan. Was Hulk Hogan on this? No. Oh, he might have been. He's, so, in, he's in. He's in Tampa. Yeah, that's true. So, what the 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 they were undercover cops. They mainly dealt with drug trafficking and prostitution. They would all almost every episode had. Would you call them vice cops? They, I think they would be vice cops. Since you know that's in the name. Yeah, I'm sure. Miami cops. Miami vice. Yeah, cops. Miami vice just rolls off the tongue a lot better than Miami. Rich, Miami cops drive Ferraris. It does. Well dressed Miami cops. Well dressed Miami cops driving Ferraris and not wearing socks and no socks. They could. They didn't. You know that's why they didn't have. Socks on. There was no budget for socks. They spent it all on shirts, coats, spray tan, and Ferraris. Yeah. And models to walk around swimsuits. Yes. Yeah. Which, hey, I'm not uh, I'm not complaining. They probably also... They probably also used real coke. Oh, guarantee it. Yeah, they used real cocaine. It was not stage cocaine. <laughs> so, it was the 80s. Yeah. Cocaine was everywhere. <laughs> So walk down the street, hookers and blow in every corner. The idea, <laughs> the idea came about from another show from the '80s called Hill Street Blues, which was a cop drama. That took place not in Miami though. That was in New York. That I was believe. in New York, yeah. So they kind of it had Latka in it. Hill Street Blues. Yeah, it was Taxi. Same thing. Okay, I think it was further down the block. I do remember Hill Street Blues though. Yeah, Hill Street Blues was that was a good show. It, it was a good show. Well, they wanted to kind of capitalize on the war on drugs that was going on in the 80s. By the way, they lost. Um, what? The war on drugs was lost, I believe. So, they wanted to change it to a more drug-heavy uh, area. And there were a lot of drugs being trafficked in through Florida, in Miami. So, they went there. This whole thing was money laundering, bail bondsmen, drug smugglers, prostitution. They would occasionally have other kidnappings associated. Are we still talking with... about Hill Street Blues now or no, Miami Vice? Miami Vice. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember that being on the list. No. So they would they would uh you know they, they, they moved it to Miami to have the backdrop that they wanted. You know who else lives in Miami? Who, who's that? Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Cool. And I think uh, Ray Mysterio, too, maybe. Uh, I don't know about that. I think he's a California boy. He's in the 619 area code. I don't know what's that. I just know it's a good move. Yeah. So, the reason that they had all these different uh, colors in there, they said that they were not allowed to shoot certain colors, like red or brown. Why? 
it would be they would the the cars that they would be shown would be white, a black, or a silver because red and brown did not show up well on camera. So they did not use red and brown. The cars were either white, black, or silver mainly. Um, their clothing were was very loud and very loud. Yeah, very bright. Um, fun, fun show. Now, one thing, and I still make jokes to, about this. Uh, years ago, there was a gentleman's club in this town called Tiger Lilies. I remember hearing about that place. And Tiger Lilies was not the most upscale. It was kind of a rundown uh, gentleman's club. They danced in, in uh, lingerie and, and swimsuits. That was, uh, where was that at? That was, uh, I think it's a pet food store now on Leavenworth. Yes. So, you would go into this place. The brass poles were all fingerprinted up. They did not clean. They were green. It was, it was, it just had, they were dingy because of all the fingerprints and all the oil. They didn't wipe them off. The mirrors had handprints all over them. And I always would joke when we'd go in there, I'd be like, man, this, this looks like the place where Miami Vice would go to get the, the intel. Their informant. On, yeah, like they'd meet their informant at a place like this and they would sit like at the next table over, they'd sit back to back and lean back and talk back to back like, so when's the shipment come again? And the guy'd be sitting there like stirring his drink and like what you know tipping a dancer, and he'd be having a conversation while he's not paying any attention. Be like, it's gonna be at the shipyard. It's gonna be there at at eight o'clock tonight. It's because you know strippers they don't hear anything. They don't hear nothing. No. Nope. Um, but yeah, that it was always that kind of you know they would meet at some dive bar and. The, the like, one, the one or two dive bars in Miami. Yeah, that nobody, that people, that people knew about. Yeah, and like the the bartender would know something. Yeah, and so they'd go in and they're like, they'd have a picture. It's like, D, have you seen this man? Man, I've seen him. He was in here three days ago with a girl. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I heard him talking about some cocaine. Oh really? Yeah. Maybe go to the train yard at midnight. I thought I heard him say something about meeting there. And so they would leave. And the <laughs> bartender... where my cocaine's at. Yeah. The bartender would watch him walk out the door. And then he'd reach over and grab the phone and be like, They're going to be at the train yard at midnight. <laughs> you know, yeah, the bartender's like, dicks. He was a rat. <laughs> so, yeah, this thing was... I mean... Some of the, <laughs> some of the ideas that oh, they had... God. Well, they re- and they redid the movie. They did, made a movie. They about made it. a movie about it, yeah, and, with Jamie uh, Fox. Jamie Fox and some other guy. I'm sure it's it's in my notes here. Um, people that were considered for the role of Sonny Crockett before Don Johnson, Nick Nolte, really, and Jeff Bridges. I think Jeff Bridges now. Jeff, you know what? Jeff Bridges would have been good. He's too much of a hippie, though. Also, Larry Wilcox from Chips. Really? He was considered. Um, they didn't want him to go from being one police officer to another. What, he couldn't get a promotion? No. That's some, that's some bullshit. That's a man keeping you down right there. Also, Mickey Rourke was offered the role and turned it down. Mickey Rourke's also a weird dude. He is. He looks more like someone that would be selling drugs than 
busting drug dealers. He's a very clean person. He uh, he was a wrestler, actually. He was. Yeah. The wrestler. I like Mickey Rourke. So then, yeah, they got uh, Don Johnson and Philip Michael Thomas. And Jimmy Smith was, uh, was Crockett's partner in the pilot episode. That's a young Jimmy Smith. Now, two seasons in, this show was going crazy. Wildly popular. Yeah. So Don Johnson decided to renegotiate his contract and said he was going to walk out. And the network was ready to replace him. Oh, shit. With Mark Harmon. Oh, Mark Harmon. Because Mark Harmon had been on a show called Saint Elsewhere. Yep. And he had just left that show. But in the end, Don Johnson was able to get his demands met. And he stayed until the end of the series. Now, this is one that they used a lot of popular radio hits. Uh, just a, a quick rundown of some of the big names that they used. The Who, The Barge, Duran Duran, Devo, Power Station, Sinead O'Connor, Jackson Brown, Meatloaf, Phil Collins, Tina Turner, Peter Gabriel, Pink Floyd, ZZ Top, Dire Straits, Iron Maiden... They had all these bands that were supposed to be on the, or music was supposed to be on the show. It was on the show. Glenn Fry, Glenn Fry actually made a song called The Heat Is On. Glenn Fry, member of the Eagles. Yep. U2, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Foreigner, Ted Nugent, uh, The Police, Billy Idol, Billy Ocean, Eric Clapton, and Suicidal Tendencies. Dude, this is a great soundtrack. I wonder if they actually sell this thing. Now, they had guest stars. In the episodes, Phil Collins was on an episode, Miles Davis, Power Station, Glenn Fry, Suicidal Tendencies, Willie Nelson, Ted Nugent, Frank Zappa. They do have it. I remember this one. The Fat Boys, Sheena Easton, Gloria Estefan, and Gene Simmons was a guest star on this show. You know what that means. Yep. Gene Simmons break. I can't sing. I've got a long tongue. That's about it. And there was a Gene Simmons break. Now, one of my favorite songs was featured in this show. That is Phil Collins, In the Air Tonight. That is actually a really good song. You know what? That is, wait, that is the one song I recognize on this whole soundtrack that's on this, that's on this vinyl. Is In the Air Tonight? Yeah. Wait, okay, there's a couple more I can see. Now, uh, a gentleman named uh, Jan Hammer, he made... He did the score yeah. of the song, of the, of the show. Jan. It's spelled Jan, but it's Jan, I believe. Um, he did the score and a lot of instrumental pieces. And the show's title theme in November of 85 hit number one on the Billboard charts. No shit. The original soundtrack also features Glenn Frey's Smuggler's Blues and You Belong to the City. As well as the aforementioned, the you know, Heat Is On was a Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. So Smuggler's Blues and You Belong to the City. Um, it was the most successful TV soundtrack of the time. Uh, it won two Grammy Awards in 86. And that is the number one theme song of all time, as voted by TV Guide readers. That's fucking crazy. Like we said, the... Uh, Shaka Khan. 
yo, Shaka Khan's awesome. The fashion impact it had. We talked about the t-shirt under an Armani-style jacket. Uh, you know, when you're six years old and you try to do that, you cannot pull it off. No, you can't. You get make fun of at school. They had... It happened to me a lot. Like an Italian-style fashion, um, like the Armani style. They had the white linen pants, uh, slip-on sockless loafers, as we said. And no socks. Rolex became huge because Crockett wore a Rolex. No shit. But then... A uh, company called Ebel won the contract, so he had an Ebel watch on after Ebel. that. Crockett's uh, unshaven appearance was a fashion trend where men would wear stubble at all times. In every episode, they would change clothes five to eight times, appearing in shades of pink, blue, green, peach, fuchsia, and other approved colors. Versace and Hugo Boss were consulted in keeping them looking trendy. You can't even spell Versace. <laughs> and Ray-Bans became huge. Ray-Bans they, were big back in the They industry. were Ray-Bans. So there is a whole Miami Vice fashion trend. I think we should do that for Halloween. Be Miami Vice? Just fat rocket, Crockett and Tubbs. <laughs> um... And then yeah, all the automobiles that they had, the, the Ferrari, the Testarossa, um, they had a, uh, a Spider, they had Corvettes, I mean, just all the great cars that were in this, amazing. They had boats, they had flying boats, they had Those Lamborghinis, well no, this is a boat that flew, just insane. Now, they loosely based all the... Uh, plot themes on crimes that actually occurred in Miami over the years. They included local and international organized crime, drug trafficking, like we said, firearms trafficking, uh, the uh, narcotics theft, drug dealing, murder, street prostitution, serial home burglaries, and then some gang warfare. They would also take on political issues and adapt them to uh, certain uh, plots, certain episodes, mm -hmm. and also social issues, such as child abuse, homophobia, and the AIDS crisis. So they would bring awareness to this and, and say, you know, hey, this shit's not right, or you shouldn't discriminate against, you know, like someone who has AIDS, things like that. You know, they, they really kind of brought out social issues. Which is cool. Yeah, I, I mean... This show is very impactful in its run. Um, I, I thought, you know, good show. But when you look at it, it's like, wow, they really made a difference in the 80s. Yeah, they did. They really did. And, I mean, what a... I mean, they're, I mean everything about them was iconic throughout the... From the mid-80s up to the almost early 90s. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really... Uh, they they changed the game, I think. Yeah. They really did. Other other guest stars. Lee Iacocca. I believe he was the uh, the chairman of the Chrysler Corporation. Okay. G. Gordon Liddy, who was involved in the, the Watergate conspiracy. They had... Uh, <laughs> Boston had a felon. Yeah. <laughs> Boston Celtics uh, players would, would appear. Uh, race car drivers. Uh, Roberto Duran, the boxer. 
and our favorite, Randall Tex Cobb. I love him. Um, everything he does. Brian Dennehy was on this. Uh, Dean Stockwell and Pam Greer. We love Pam Greer. Pam Greer's awesome. That's a young Pam Greer. Now, well, Pam Greer was around in the 60s and 70s. Oh, that's right. I'm yeah. thinking of... Um, never mind. Somebody else. Yeah. Up-and-coming actors and actresses that kind of got their feet wet on the show. Lawrence Fishburne. Yep. Viggo Mortensen. Uh, Stanley Tucci. Jimmy Schmitz. Bruce McGill. Ving Rhames. Liam Neeson. Lou Diamond Phillips. Bruce Willis. Ed O'Neill. And Julia Roberts. No shit. Uh, also, Bill Paxton. Uh, Luis Gutzman, who he, we've, we've seen in... All, he's great. Yeah. Uh, Kyra Sedwick, which I love her. Helen Bonham Carter. Benicio Del Toro. Wesley Snipes. Melanie Griffith, who married Don Johnson at one point. Tommy Chong. She used to be really, really hot. Richard Beltzer. Ben Stiller. John Leguizamo. And Penn Gillette all appeared on Miami Vice. Ted Nugent. So a, a who's who from the music, Hollywood, and comedic worlds appeared on this show. So, yeah, just wow. What, what an impact. And they say that the impact was even felt like in video games like Grand Theft Auto, Vice City. They said there was a lot of Miami oh, Vice yeah. influences there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it just, it still, you could probably look around and still see influences and impacts from Miami Vice. Miami Vice was awesome. I love Miami Vice. You know what else was awesome? MacGyver. MacGyver was freaking, he could make everything out of anything. Out of anything? <laughs> he could make anything out of everything. So, Richard Dean Anderson was Angus MacGyver. And... You know, MacGyver was ripped off from MacGruber. No, I don't think it was. I thought Mac I think MacGruber was first. Uh, this was in 1985. And, yes, MacGyver was a non-violent problem solver. He did not like using guns. He would only do non-fatal action and only in self-defense. He was a basically like a, a social and environmental warrior. He would just he was kind of a, a vigilante of sorts. Yeah. They would, you know they would go out and you know, he would help like children explore mountains and something would happen. You know, they'd get in some kind of trouble. He would be helping at a school for deaf children. And somebody, somebody would go start and shit there. Uh, he was a terrorist or something. Yeah. Um, he would be trying to protect endangered species like eagles and black rhinos and wolves. Um, at one point, MacGyver became a vegetarian and, and uh, vegan. He just... It was like anything that became kind of popular or hot button, it made its way on MacGyver. Yeah. And like you said... MacGyver's main thing is they would get into a situation and they would have nothing except for his Swiss Army knife that he always used, his roll of duct tape that he always 
carried in his back he pocket. He had with him at all times. He would use uh, his driver's license, a Timex watch, strike anywhere matches, paperclip chewing gums, and a flashlight. He had a toolbox in his Jeep that he would grab shit out of. He, Like you said, he made anything out of anything. This guy was, he was a prepper before prepping was popular. Absolutely. He, I mean, just really... You'd have seen him on Doomsday Preppers. You would have. It, it this show, this is another show that I can remember playing. We would play MacGyver. Dude, I, there is a MacGyver giant website. Everything MacGyver. Oh, wow. So, the reason he didn't like guns is he had a traumatic experience when a, a friend of his at age 12 was accidentally shot because a gun fell and went off. Uh, that's why he wasn't into guns. He spent time in Alaska. That's where he learned a lot of his survivalist experience. He was an ice hockey player. That's why he was so tough. Yeah. He, uh, you know, he was a Cub Scout. I mean, he just every, everything. The boy was an Eagle Scout. You talking about. Yeah. He, he, he took the motto, be prepared of the Boy Scouts to heart. The dude really did. He was a bomb diffuser in Vietnam. He was a firefighter. He, I mean, just everything. He did everything. He was a, he was a MacGyver of all trades. He, yeah, he, you even still hear that term used. People that don't know what the hell MacGyver, they've never seen the show. Mm-hmm. You'll be like, oh man, we're broken down and we don't have anything. Like, oh, let me see if I can MacGyver or something. Yeah. They have no idea where that term came from. Taking up a ballpoint pen and the spring out of it to start your battery. Yeah. So, yeah, they had no clue. So, it's... That's been, like, put in the... What you call the lexicon of pop culture. Yeah. And... It's... A MacGyver is... You know, when you, when you say, I'm going to MacGyver it, it's using common items for a simple fix. Oh, yeah. Instead of like a Rube Goldberg machine where it's very complicated and a lot of room for error. MacGyvering. That's a callback. Yeah, from several shows. Yes. MacGyvering is simple, almost foolproof, and common, common items. Almost foolproof. Almost foolproof. Sometimes it would not work. Like, I'm going to try this. Well, you better not. So, other interesting things about... Here, hold my beer. I got this. Yeah, no, that usually did not work. Uh, other interesting things about MacGyver. Like I said, he was a U.S. operative. Um, he loved his Swiss Army knife. And there were Swiss Army knives became very popular mm-hmm. because of this show. He was a field medic. <laughs> he knew crime scene techniques and DNA sequencing. He's afraid of heights. This guy's a genius, though. Yeah, he's a genius. Afraid of heights, as am I. He's not an expert fighter, but he can temporarily hold off multiple enemies due to hand-to-hand combat. Long enough for him to figure out a way to end the conflict using his improvisational skill. He is also proficient in multiple languages, including Italian, German, and Mandarin. Maybe he's the one who called. Ooh. He also knows Morse code. I have books on Morse code. He's very charming, personable, easy to make and keep friends. 
and he has flashes of intense anger when his friends are threatened or his when his father who disappeared from his life at age 10 is mentioned you got daddy issues yeah you know who's got a huge crush on macgyver marge's sisters from the simpsons oh really yeah they love macgyver well why wouldn't you love macgyver macgyver i mean he's a handsome man he is very handy he rocked the mullet though yes he did but he is the perfect combination of handsome and handy. This is what you ladies would call a unicorn. Yeah. They don't exist. You can't have handsome and handy. You get one or the other. Or you get MacGyver. I'm handy. I'm... I'm the handsome one. Damn it, I messed that up. I'm also pretty handy. Hey, maybe I'm MacGyver. <laughs> I don't have a mullet, though. Oh, well. But yeah, MacGyver was amazing. And like... Another one that has lasting impact on today's culture, because, I mean, the term MacGyver is out there. So, let's talk about this one last one. One of my favorites. One of my favorites, and we discussed, we, we've discussed We've talked about before. this one a few times. So, this is uh, the A-Team. Now, the A-Team, they were, uh, they're military members. And they were an Army Special Forces unit. They were court-martialed for a crime that they had not committed. Yet. They were convicted and sentenced to terms of a military prison, but they escaped. And they went to Los Angeles to become soldiers of fortune while trying to clear their name and avoid capture by law enforcement and military authorities. So they were fugitives from justice. Wrongly accused, trying to clear their name, but they did good things in the meantime. Fugitives of justice, but they're out there in a very not hidden van. Right. Very noticeable, recognizable vehicle. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, all the members were very, uh, you know, they were very easily identifiable. Yeah. Um. So this is another one that... Uh, they wanted to make a combination of the Dirty Dozen, Mission Impossible, The Magnificent Seven, Mad Max, and Hill Street Blues with Mr. T driving the car. They did not expect it to become the hit that it was, but lead actor George Pappard said this is going to be a huge hit. Before the camera was even turned on, he said this is going to be a huge hit. And it became very, very popular because... The first episode aired directly after the Super Bowl on January 30th, 1983. Oh, that's pretty clever. Yeah. And it, 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 it loves it when a plan comes together. Yes, he does. George Pappard played uh, John Hannibal Smith, the leader of the group. Uh, other prominent members would be uh, Dirk Benedict. Dirk he, Benedict he also. Was face. He was face. Dirk Benedict, also from Battlestar Galactica. Yes, he is. No Hathaway. Um, Dwight Schultz played Howlin' Mad Murdoch. He was the pilot. He was insane. I love Murdoch. And then, of course, Mr. T as B.A. Baracus. That's, that stands for Badass Baracus. Well, they would say Badass or Bad Attitude. So, John Smith was the brains. You know, Hannibal Smith. He was the brains. You know who was in this? Hmm. 
I've said it a few times today. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Yes. Um. So Templeton face face man Peck, he was a master of persuasive arts, and he was a con artist. Mister Peck. Of course, we said uh, Howlin' Mad Murdoch was the pilot. He could fly any kind of aircraft with skill, but he went insane because he crashed a helicopter in Vietnam. And they broke him out of the veterans hospital in the mental wing. Oh yeah. Um, whenever they need a pilot, they have to go break him out again, and they use face to do so. In the first four seasons, doesn't he always put himself back in the mental hospital? Yes. Uh, in the first four seasons, he had an imaginary pet, an imaginary friend, or an alter ego, and it was different in every episode. And. When his imaginary pet or imaginary friends are killed by an enemy, Murdoch will snap and take revenge, but he never kills. And then he is eventually discharged from the hospital, and he has a different job in every episode from that point on. Oh. And then, of course, Sergeant Bosco B.A. Baracus is the muscle. He can perform incredible feats of strength. He's a mechanic, master at arms, He's an expert of demolition, and he's a weapons specialist. He does not like Murdoch. He calls him a crazy fool. Because... Because he's always doing something to piss him off. Well, and he has uh, aviophobia, which is a fear of flying. So they have to trick him or knock him out to get him on an aircraft. I ain't got no plane. They said it's very rare that B.A. would be awake while flying. And it's even rarer for it's him funny, to consent to it. Airborne Rangers, I, they were special forces. The special forces got to jump out of planes. Yeah, I, I don't know if he was. Maybe he wasn't that part of. Maybe he was part a different part of the team. Uh, now, Mister T, his iconic look. He would wear bib overalls, a leopard or tiger print shirt. Uh, later on, he would wear a green jumpsuit. He was always seen with gold chains, rings on every finger, a weightlifting belt. He always had the mohawk hairstyle. Um, and he drove a customized black GMC van, which was black, metallic dark gray, and a red stripe. That's the uh, their usual mode of transportation. That's the 18 van. It's the 18 van. There's one driving around town like that. I Yes, I've seen it. So the disc store. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I love playing the A-Team. I wanted to be Mr. T when I grew up. We've discussed that at length. Yes, your parents told you. you yeah, my parents told that. me I, I, I could be whatever I wanted when I grew up, except for Mr. T. I think everybody wanted to be Mr. T. If I had to pick now, I'd be, uh, we just talked about him. Face, Hannibal, Murdoch. Murdoch, Murdoch. I, yeah, I, I think... I'd uh, be Murdoch. I kind of turned out more like Murdoch than anybody else. Now, they did have a uh, a young lady that would uh, would travel with them. Uh, and Tia Carrere was supposed to join the show in its fifth season. But she was under contract to General Hospital and her character was dropped. Tia Carrera was supposed to be on there? Yes. Yep. So, 
this is another one of those shows that everybody was on. So they had Boy George, Isaac Hayes, chef from South Park, Hulk Hogan, also the British Bulldogs, and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Oh, wow. Rick James. Uh, Rick James, bitch. Joe Namath. Pat Sajak. Yes, Pat Sajak. Uh, refrigerator William Perry. Della Reese. John Saxon. Dean Stockwell. Professor Toro Tanaka, another professional wrestler. Yep. Vanna White. They, um, the guy, John Matsuzak? Oh, yeah, yeah. He was on it. So, I mean, just Ernie Hudson was on this. So, uh, another who's who of stars that just clamored to be on this show. Now, it was wildly successful, especially in the first three seasons. And then the popularity started to drop. And the reason is... Hulk Hogan couldn't act. Y'all that, yeah, Hulk Hogan did uh, largely contribute to that. But they, Vince McMahon used the popularity of the A-Team to promote the original WrestleMania and WrestleMania 2. And that's why Hulk Hogan and William Perry were yep. on the show, is to promote WrestleMania 2. So that's why Mr. T was at WrestleMania. Yes. It, just to, to kind of cross over on that that popularity of this crazy, wild show. Now, this thing's been in syndication ever since the 80s. And... <laughs> Memorable quotes. Oh, boy. Murdoch. Hang on, everyone. I want to try something I saw in a cartoon once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm using that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah, this is where you would also get, you know... The, the Pity the Fool yeah from Mr. T. Um, he would call Murdoch uh, things like uh, Crazy Fool and Jive Turkey. He, it, I mean, this is another one that would kind of instill itself into... I'm allergic to bullets, especially ones headed in my direction. That's true. You know, it, it instilled itself into the... the the lingo of even present day. I still hear people that have no clue what the ATM is yeah. say, I love it when a plan comes together. And that was said every almost every episode. Almost every episode. Now, there was an issue with this show being very violent. And the thing is, while there were lots of firefights and explosions... Very, you never saw anyone bleed. Very rarely did people bruise, and if they were hit, they might limp a little bit, or they might need to put their arm in a sling. Uh, but the members of the A team never killed anyone. They only presented violence when it was required for the script. In almost every car crash, there was a shot of the people that were in the car crash climbing out of the vehicle. And even when there's a helicopter crash, they climb out of the wreckage. Nobody ever got hurt in 80s TV shows. No. And this was an extremely violent show, but they never they never really got hurt or killed. No. And they said it, finally, it became 
by like the fourth season, it became a running joke on the staff. They wanted to see how far they could push it. That's why they started doing airplane crashes, helicopter crashes, car explosions, and the people would come crawling out after the car. Yeah, and brush it off. What the heck just happened? Um, Squirrel came out of nowhere. Most of the violence was cartoonish, like Tom and Jerry. They kind of got in trouble because they said that it showed that like bullets didn't do any harm. A lot of the violence didn't do any harm. That's so, what they were talking about on the Fast 9 when I was watching that yesterday. I watched that. Was it Tay Diggs? Get, he got shot up. Yeah. And he didn't have a scratch on him. He's like, I'm, I'm invincible. <laughs> they did a little study. The average ep- episode of A-Team had up to 46 violent acts. That's it? Yep. Uh, it should have been. But, it should have hot shot for higher numbers. It was cartoonish violence they, they would use, though. Um, it eventually declined because there were more family-oriented shows that came out, such as The Cosby Show, Who's the Boss, and Growing Pains. So that's why the violent show started to dwindle dwindle, and these comedy shows kind of took over. I'm glad the violent shows are back. I do enjoy the violent shows. Now, out of all of these, A-Team was the one that was most heavily merchandised. You had, I mean, toy vehicles, toy action figures, clothing with the various uh, characters' faces on it, uh, jigsaw puzzles, viewmaster reels, coloring books... There was actually an electric race car track that Tycho made. You had that, didn't you? I had the Smokey and the Bandit one. Oh, that's right. I found the... I found you the, found the A-Team one. Yeah. Um, and it has the... The the A-Team van is one of the um, vehicles. Yep. Tycho also made a train set with accessories and pieces that were themed around the A-Team look. And they had different set pieces from the A-Team. Hot Wheels made a complete line of A-Team themed cars. Lego made an A-Team pack that, fig- that featured a B.A. Baracus minifigure and the van. And they had a comic series, which I, ha- I actually have a couple of the comics. Oh, no shit. I didn't know yeah. they made comics. Yeah, I've got two of them that I had when I was a kid. I found them and, and repurchased them. I... Uh, then several books that came out that were themed around A-Team. The theme song was very popular. Uh, the and It had a great, you know, soundtrack. Yeah. So, even, like, the, it, it's been ranked among the best TV themes ever. And the TV weatherman, Al Roker, uses that song to get jazzed up in the morning before he goes on the air. Really? Yeah. So it was it won uh, three Emmy awards, and uh, just I mean it had just a, a plethora of it was it was popular it, it it got all kinds of awards it got all kinds of praise. Other professional wrestlers that were in it, I just here's even more. They they loved wrestlers, so they had Hulk Hogan, Professor mm-hmm. Toro Tanaka, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. The Dynamite Kid and Davy Boy Smith from the British Bulldogs, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Big John Studd, and Greg the Hammer Valentine. And, Those are some big names back then. Well, yeah, and in most cases they would be playing themselves. Yep. 
And Mean Gene Okerlund was also in this. Now, the music video for John Cena's Bad Bad Man on his album that he made, yeah, it was a parody on the A-Team. Cena was Hannibal. I remember this. His cousin was Murdoch, and Bumpy Knuckles was B.A. Who is Bumpy Knuckles? Bumpy Knuckles. Is he a rapper? Is a rapper. Okay. Uh, Freddie Fox is his other stage name. Freddie Fox. Now, they did make a an attempt. They made an attempt at a revival. In 2006, Channel 4 in the United Kingdom tried to reunite the surviving cast members in a show called Bring Back the A-Team. And they did secure interviews and appearances from Dirk Benedict, Dwight Schultz, uh, Mr. T, and then some of the, like, uh, Stephen Cannell, the uh, the creator, and some other, some other uh, actors that played in it. And what year was this? This was in 2006. Okay, good, because Hannibal passed away. Yeah, he, he had passed away at that point. Um, but that was, in, that was just released in the United Kingdom. They made a feature film in 2010. Liam Neeson played Hannibal. He played a great Hannibal. Bradley Cooper played Face. Yep, which makes sense. Quentin Jackson, Rampage, played B.A. And then... Uh, Charlito Copley was Murdoch. And he was good at that. And Jessica Beale was an ally of the team. She's good in everything. Patrick Wilson played the villain. And Dirk Benedict and Dwight Schultz made cameo appearances in the film. They tried to reboot. They re- did. They yeah, did. They made little cameos. Yep. And they tried to reboot it in 2015. I know that it did not last long. I didn't even see it. It wasn't... It did not make a big splash. What channel was it on? Um... Fox. Really? I'm yep. to look this up. But, well, they tried they try to make it more diverse, and they tried to make the, the team both male and female characters. It just didn't have the same impact. Let's see here. But... Yeah, so the A-Team. It seems like... The uh, the '80s were pretty uh, pretty big action television. Yes, they were. So I mean, what are your kind of final thoughts on all this action that we've talked about? Well, I'm kind of speechless actually. Wow. I don't know why. Um, that's that's always really good for a podcast to be speechless. I know. <laughs> it's really good. No, really... I mean, I'd say a lot of these action TV shows and even movies, dude, were just a huge part of me growing up. You know, I was, you know, goes, okay, you know, watch this stuff and then you'd take like your G.I. Joes or something and go play or you'd take your friends and go become the A-Team. Right. All these, I think pretty much all these shows we talked about, maybe we didn't pretend to be the characters. Yeah. But... I'm sure there were people that were like, we're going to play Magnum P.I. today. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there were people like, okay, I, I remember playing Airwolf. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend in school, and actually he's, he's still a friend of mine. Uh, he would, he wanted to be a helicopter pilot. So that we played Airwolf. Nice. And he had like a football helmet that he would wear. As, I, I remember playing Top Gun. You played Top Gun? I was, yeah, I was little. 
Were you Tom Cruise? No, I was. I was. No, I was Goose. You're Goose. Yeah, my buddy was always Tom Cruise. Hmm. He was older. So your buddy was Tom Cruise. Yeah. Well, let's have a Tom Cruise break for your buddy. Okay, then. that works. Dickhead. Talk to me, Goose. And there, there was Tom Cruise. So, yeah, it, you know, these shows, when you don't really think about it until you break it down like we just did, the impact that they had and still have on fashion, on some of the things that are said, it lasted. That the, the, the show itself may not be in the forefront of anyone's mind. But it's always... But there's a line. There's a... You'll see a van. You go, hey, there's an 18 van. And it's people that don't even know yeah. what the A-Team is. They know the vehicle. They know, you know, they, they just... It, the legacy has endured on, I would say, honestly, all the shows we talked about today. The legacy has endured. So, maybe it would be fun if, after listening to this, you paid attention and saw how many references in, you know, maybe a week's time you catch... That are related to any of these shows. You hear a lot of them, like on Family Guy. Oh well, Family Guy is is they're known for yeah. doing those callbacks. Family and they, Guy, and a lot Robot of Chicken. Like, my kids don't understand it, right? And it, I'm just cracking up. Yeah, because it's it's that's the little portion they put in for the old people. Yeah, you know. So, but yeah, I mean, just impactful shows. And it made for a couple hours worth of great conversation. It did. You know, I, I like talking about stuff like this, man, and it's always fun. Well, and especially where maybe you watched a show that I didn't. Yeah. Or I watched a show that you were too young to really understand. And so we learn. And I know some of our listeners probably didn't watch this. They were, you know, they, they might not have been into the action, you know, genre they might have wanted comedies yeah their family might not let them watch the violence Violent shows or or you know the the adult themes that were on like miami vice or baywatch baywatch or something like that well i wasn't allowed to watch baywatch but i had a tv in my bedroom i did too actually the tv that we took to grand con i watched a lot of baywatch on that oh nice yeah so i cleaned it up afterwards good but that's gross yeah so but uh well it gets dust on it and stuff you know oh yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dusty. Dusty. Yeah, I guess Dusty. So, anything else you want to talk about? I got nothing. Well, for the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power, I'm Mikey. I'm Corey. And we'll see you next time. Say goodbye, Corey. Goodbye, Corey. Good job, turkey. Hit me.
Look at me falling for you.